So hello, everyone, and welcome to the Movie Passion Podcast. Um, we're super excited this week to be welcoming a guest commentator, our dear friend, Ben. Um, so Ben, we are super excited to have you. Um, if you want to give people a taste of your voice. Hey, hi, guys. <laughs> so when you hear that voice, when, when you hear that voice, you know it is going to be Ben speaking. So Ben... Is recently married. He is um, a brilliant uh, person and a great oh, musician. Um, so we are uh, the, th- the three of us are mutually acquainted from college. But me and Ben actually played middle school football together. So we go way back um, mm-hmm. to the okay. good old days of running one fifties and getting sick on the field and all those <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful things. Yeah. Um, but in addition. Ben loves movies, so Ben, um, what movies are we going to be talking about today? So we're going to talk about a favorite of mine, which is, uh, well, actually multiple movies, the Indiana Jones trilogy, the original trilogy, just the first three. We're not going to, well, we might we might talk about the other one, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> yeah. It, it, he who must not be named. Um, but yeah, and we're excited. Also, this is our 10th episode that we are recording or rather the 10th um, set of movies that we're recording. So we're excited to welcome Ben as our special person to commemorate this event. Um, So Caleb, I think we're probably ready to get underway. Sweet. Well, um, yeah. So I think we established beforehand that I was just going to go through one movie at a time and then we would have our discussion and then just move on to the next movie. So um, I'll just talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark to, to begin. And so... Raiders came out in 1981, and it stars Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, um, so Paul Freeman, and you got Ronald Lacey, and then John Reese davies um, Denim Elliott, I mean, there's some other people, like, I could read through it, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> it, was, there any, was there any names that I didn't list that sort of you, you recognized from something else? Um, there were not for me. I think that was interesting that to be such an iconic movie, there were only like really probably two actors I recognized. Um, oh, Alfred Molina. He played Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2. Oh yeah. I forgot about him. He was the, the tour guide at the beginning, right? Or not tour yes. guide. The, the yeah, he guide. was one of, yeah, he was one of the, um, I guess betrayers <laughs> of Indiana Jones at the beginning. Yeah. I made, uh, an interesting discovery while I was watching that movie. Um, that there's like uh, a, an actor that's on screen for I don't know thirty seconds, and he's the he's the kid that like lays out the the plate of dates that mm-hmm. um like almost gets poisoned and yeah um, yeah yeah yeah. So that actor, <laughs> I don't know how I found this out, but I, I was just like scrolling IMDb and I found <laughs> it. But that actor is um someone who plays the stunt double like the yeah the stunt double for elijah wood in the lord of the rings movies are you serious yeah (laughs) hang on let me try to find his name interesting (laughs) that is such a um, random fact wow so he's he's employed because like he has dwarfism and so he's able to like play roles where that like plays to his advantage Mm. like that they write that into the character so that's why he's he plays like whenever they're trying to use that force perspective thing in lord of the rings um yeah but anyway, just thought that was really interesting because <laughs> they like have to dress yeah, him up with yeah. a ton of makeup to make him look like Elijah Wood. But yeah, yeah, 
Next time watching Lord of the Rings, I'm going to look out for uh, the kid that served dates in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th th those are the actors. That's the cast. Um, the, the more notable people, anyways. Um, so this movie, its, it's budget was $18 million. And its cumulative worldwide gross is nearly 400 million oh my goodness so uh large return on the investment and so it, it looks like they they filmed um you know in the usa in in like it looks like they were on location a lot of the times yeah at the or, end or, yeah i think on the end of the credits it says maybe like morocco and like places like that or something like that for some of these locations. Yeah. Like for the desert places. They're actually, I guess, in a, you know, desert country. Yeah, yeah. So so they, they traveled a bit to film this movie. Um, and also, it's, you know, something notable is that this movie won four Oscars. And so it won, <clears throat> it looks like, Best Art Direction Set Decoration. It won Best Sound best film editing best um visual effects mm. so how many is that five like four or five four yeah so mm. it won four oscars um so yeah that's you know always notable about any movie is it, the oscars are you know the big awards that <laughs> that i guess a lot of people might look yeah. look forward to well, and for blockbuster movies to get oscars i feel like is a much more yeah. rare phenomenon nowadays so for to get like an yeah action like you movie, don't see the avengers yeah making like like racking up oscars like yeah that. not critically acclaimed usually mm-hmm but that's that's all i've got unless there was anything that you you thought i missed mm-hmm well, I would say um, I uh, I realized it was Tunisia, not Morocco. So I apologize to the good citizens of Tunisia and Morocco for conflating <laughs> your countries. Um, and it looks like John Reese davies sang one of the songs in the soundtrack. Is that or is that just what, oh, wow. when he's singing like the song, like the sailor song? I guess <laughs> that might be it. The I am the monarch of the sea. Yeah, I guess yeah. that is that. <laughs> I just saw that as a random fact on the IMDb. Yeah, I don't know, Ben. Do you have anything else? Um, I mean, we can maybe talk about this later uh, a little bit further, but like something I noticed as like the credits are rolling at the beginning of the movie is just a lot of the um, the cast for the or sorry the crew for this movie is like is shared a lot with the the Star Wars movies, like the original mm. trilogy for the Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, George um, Lucas, you know his yeah. team. I mean, yeah, I think George Lu Lucas is is credited as a writer for I think all three of these. So. Yeah. Well, he created Indiana Jones, I believe. Yeah, him and Steven, Steven Spielberg together, I think. I was looking at, actually, you saying that, Ben, I was just looking at the dates of Star Wars because I was curious how they lined up with the Indiana Jones movies. And it looks like, so it was like 77 was A New Hope, and then 80 was Empire Strikes Back, 81 is um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then hmm. there's, I guess... 84 is Temple of Doom, and the, and then the sixth one is somewhere in there, and then 89 is The Last Crusade. So from, like, 77 to 89, George Lucas and Harrison Ford are, like, doing some of, like, Best the buddies. most popular, yeah, most popular movies, um, like, ever, probably. Well, not ever, but Star Wars probably probably up there forever. 
Yeah. So that's crazy for like, they had a 13 year run of, um, pretty spectacular movies. Yeah. So if you want to, I think that covers it just about for the, um, for the IMDB sort of overview. So if you want to take us through a synopsis of Indiana Jones, yes, uh, I think we're ready for that. <laughs> so rather than rehash a different synopsis for every movie, what I've done is tried to um, collate the data while watching these movies and try to figure out if I'm going to capture these movies in a nutshell. It's like, what are they really all about? So here it goes, folks. Famed archaeologist Dr. Indiana Jones embarks on globe-trotting adventures in the 1930s with various sidekicks and love interests in order to keep the bad guys from getting all the good treasure out there. With hands like sledgehammers, a brooding smolder that causes his students to swoon, and sarcastic swagger to spare, Jones is able to become famous without ever actually bringing anything interesting back to the museum that sponsors him. But hey, you'd have some swagger too if John Williams scored every moment you wanted to be brave. Nice. That was that was great. <laughs> so I feel like I watched them all over again. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely leaving some stuff out there. But we have Doctor Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford, is the only character in common between all three movies. So um, Sala, he's not in the second one though. Oh, really. oh, you mean like all? Oh, of, all right, three. right, yeah, like in each of the three okay. movies. Um, was Brody in the second one? No, yeah. So that was interesting too. That um, it really was a second movie is very different. But um, mm-hmm. the whole it's basically him, his sidekicks, and love interest, and versus the bad guys going for the treasure, with various motivations, usually of a religious manner going on. Um, yeah. To. To try There's a lot to... of spiritual and religious yeah, motifs yeah. in these movies. Yeah, so that is my take on Indiana Jones. So how does that apply to Raiders of the Lost Ark? Um, you guys can, I guess, chew on that question. <laughs> I'll let Ben take the lead on this one. All right, Ben. Um, I guess, <laughs> well, so are you asking me to like kind of summarize the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The uh, the the particular what happens in in that movie. Yeah. So, um, you're kind of like thrown right into, um, kind of the story of of Indiana Jones and what he does when he's out on his adventures. So, like, you start mm-hmm. with um, with him, kind of, in South America, you know, uh, sort of almost like tomb raiding, um, mm. and you start off with this really kind of awesome. 80s like high action set piece of him avoiding all these traps and um and seeing that and then uh you also right at the beginning of the movie you you have this like high high intense uh set piece and then uh, he immediately like falls out of this tomb and then um there's belloc right there and he's he's introduced right then at the beginning of the movie as sort of the main antagonist um and mm. as the movie kind of goes on, you realize like, oh, there's like, you know, there's a much bigger enemy force in in the Nazis that are, you know, the, the antagonists for the movie. But really, like the the rivalry in the movie is between Indiana Jones and Belloc. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's like as I was watching the movie, I I've seen it several times, especially like being younger. I used to have the box set um, and we'd watch them in the like in my family's van 
on road trips mm. every time. <laughs> um, oh, awesome. So it was like, I, it was it wasn't difficult to like you know remember a lot of this, but I was also struck by how like even though I I'm not surprised by anything in the movie anymore because I've seen it so many times. It's like going back and also kind of preparing for this to like kind of watch it with an analytical eye, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. It was really cool just to see. Like I was thinking, like wow, this is actually really like timeless like it's really just very well done it really captures the um that like super cool suave uh uh, protagonist um in harrison ford yeah and um like it feels like a western but it's also like the fact that he carries you know like a a six shooter and he's wearing like a leather jacket and a hat and um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so kind of rambling here because i just really like this movie but yeah yeah but i guess the um, big point being that they're going after the ark of the covenant right and, oh um, yeah i forgot to mention that part no, it's like <laughs> no, no i mean no yeah but i mean this guy, hopefully if you're listening to this you you know that's the main thing going on um and of course there's the i guess his rival of belloc but there's also the kind of surprise not surprise bad guys in the <laughs> 1930s of right the nazis <laughs> um so I don't know. Do you like the? Do you like Nazis as the bad guys here, Ben? Um, do you like Nazis? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> I think it's hilarious that they're the bad guys in this movie because what it means is like you can. There, well, the movie in general kind of portrays them as really stupid, um, mm-hmm. which is like really, really good, uh, really hilarious. Um, but then also you have that huge payoff at the end of the movie, where just like you know the people's faces are just getting melted off and it's it's if there's like if there's like a group of you know if there's an an enemy in a movie um in like movie history that you have like complete freedom to just to do that with and to have like that sort of crazy event at the end of the movie that climax like Mm -hmm. the nazis you know are kind of like that they fill that role i guess so yeah yeah um it also really helps to like place the movie in the 30s and 40s right mm-hmm. like everyone's everyone knows who like like what kind of happened in that time period in terms of um in world history so i think yeah it really cements like oh this is taking place in the 30s and 40s yeah and to, yeah. And to your point i don't think many if any people are going to get triggered by the nazis right. being like melted or you know killed off or being the butt of a joke yeah, that's especially for an American movie. I feel like that's a pretty um, agreeable bad guy for the, the American yeah. and worldwide audience, I guess. Um, I guess other, I guess major part of the movie maybe his relationship with Marion, mm-hmm. um, who will later conceive and give birth to Shia LaBeouf, but we're ignoring <laughs> that fact um, because that doesn't matter for what, our, what we're talking about. Um, but. His relationship with Marion is very interesting because she's the daughter of his like PhD advisor, I guess it seems like, and she becomes his helper and the prize that Belloc really desires. Um, so there's a little bit of a men fighting for the same girl going on. That's always a, a juicy plot. Yeah. I, I thought I thought it was very interesting with Marion how she was portrayed because I mean nowadays we have all of these very strong and empowered female characters. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like a trend that we've 
sort of slowly ramped up to in in recent time but i thought that for you know 1981 it was very interesting to see how she was portrayed as like just this badass character that can you know take her tequila like like none of the men can <laughs> yeah and you know she she's she's out there fighting and getting dirty and um i, I just thought that it was really cool to see that portrayal um and how she wasn't sort of just a damsel in distress the entire time but she was she was um you know in the heat of things and sort of handling it a lot better than you know we we may see other female characters from that time handle situations that she was thrown into yeah yeah i think um it made an interesting dynamic because i guess uh jones is also very i don't know strong willed person like ben you were saying he's like you know like the suave strong male protagonist kind of figure so Mm. to have like two strong personalities going at it like that was um was interesting kind of dynamic i felt like yeah but but who else would indiana jones fall for you know it's like it's 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 good writing yeah like like you couldn't really have her be any other arc archetype if she was going to ultimately be the love interest of Indiana Jones, because that's just the kind of woman that he's going to be attracted to. Yeah, true. So well, yeah, they also have yeah. like the. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, Ben, you go. Um, I mean, so something I didn't pick up on as a as like a kid watching these movies, but just because like as a kid, half the time I'm not paying attention to what they're saying. I'm just waiting for like <laughs> the yeah the giant yeah. rock to fall yeah. through the ceiling yeah. or something. Um. But I noticed that um, they have, like, quite a bit of backstory that they allude to um, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, uh, like when he first approaches her in, I think, Tibet, um, in the bar, she, uh, yeah. he says, he brings it up or she says something like, you know, I was a kid and you, like, broke my heart or something like that. And she was, like, mm. alluding to the fact that, like, he was being irresponsible for um, for what he did and he's, like... You know, we were in love, whatever. Uh, it was just kind of weird, of a weird dynamic because I hadn't, even though I had seen the movie so many times, I didn't really pick up on that because I haven't watched it recently. Um, but this idea that like, um, they do have a, a past, like a, a yeah. romantic past, and then they're like re- reuniting in this movie. Um, and I don't know. I just thought that I thought it was really cool, and I, yeah. I, I totally agree with what Kayla was saying about like, um how she's portrayed in this movie it it um comparing it to the later movies like you, the second and third one mm. um Marion's definitely in my opinion like the strongest uh like counterpart to Indiana Jones in terms of yeah 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 um like both in dialogue and in like the action sequences like she's not just like chilling out screaming um yeah. cough cough temple of doom um, (laughs) yeah we we can revisit the comparison later for sure um yeah which may be the reason why she pops up again why they thought you know decades later when they decided to revamp the series um why she was the one that was brought back and not you know willie or or elsa (laughs) yeah yeah and well, I, guess I mean, Elsa I guess for... you couldn't bring back Elsa. Yeah, for other... that would be a huge <laughs> surprise. That'd be or, uh... they didn't bring. <laughs> That'd be like bringing back Palpatine after he got thrown oh, down man. a yeah. a shaft. Yeah, I guess. I guess we jab, can, yeah. jab. I mean, I, we can almost make a lot of comparisons to Star Wars because I feel like Princess Leia is a very similar, you know, yeah. female, you know, strong protagonist kind of character as Marion is in this movie. Um, yeah, and Harrison Ford is 
the same yeah. character in both series. Yeah. Han Solo in the desert, but this time, well, I guess he has a gun in both too, but this time he has a hat and a whip and he doesn't have a hairy animal helping him out. So, but yeah, he's it's very, very Harrison Ford, I guess. Very Han Solo. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, we don't want to go too much into the Star Wars, but. But yeah, other things. But I think it's I think it's a relevant point to bring up since you know the same people were involved with both yeah, series. Yeah, true. And there's there's bound to be, I guess, some similarities. And because they're just I don't know, they're also popular movies. They're going to keep doing the things that people like in those movies, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, other see other things from this movie stand out to me. Maybe like it's like the action. I guess you alluded to a little bit, Ben. But like the um, there's like chases and fighting, and um, I had mentioned the the fists like sledgehammers because the thick meaty punches in these movies are just like <laughs> the greatest sounds engineering I think I've ever heard where it's just like every time he punches someone it's just like I don't even know what it sounds so it sounds like like a slab of like wet meat being slung against a brick wall it's like I don't even know <laughs> um, but it's I don't know you, you guys talk because I'm starting to say weird stuff now uh, yeah no, no the fight yeah <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was very, um, the fight scenes were very fun, and they have a, I don't know if you guys have been to Disney to see, like, the live Indiana Jones, yeah, like, show yeah, that they I put think, on there. I think there. I have seen that. But there's just kind of a feeling to them where there's all this, like, running around and, and the music, um, paired with it. It's just kind of very, feels kind of like Tom and Jerry, but in a very, like, it's just a very fun sort of, there's a lot of chasing going on. Um, and the, and they have this sort of light, delicate, like dance feel to it. Like, especially when they're in like the marketplace in Cairo, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I'm thinking of mostly when they're just sort of, it feels like almost they're, they're, they're doing some choreographed dancing. Yeah. Um, like, like, like you would see in a play or something. It's very just fun and light and yeah. Yeah. I'll say like in Jumanji, they have dance fighting. So it's like, (laughs) it's like that, except (laughs) not like that. Um, Yeah. I don't know which. Uh, so there's like the foot race, foot chasing in in Cairo, and there's also I guess the car chase kind of sequence after he escapes from the the snake pit. Um, yeah, I think that that was a really cool sequence as well, um, where he's like you know hijacking the car and like climbing all around, or has to climb under the car to get back like up into the. Uh, the driver stuff. I don't know. I guess someone actually yeah. had to do that. I don't know how they did it safely, but did you did you notice which movie we've seen recently that sort of ripped that off <laughs> or was inspired? I guess is a nicer way to put put that. Oh man, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, it definitely looks familiar. Can you give me a hint. Do you want me to tell you? No, give me a hint. Um, have you talked about it on this podcast? Yes, we have. It's a okay. movie we've talked about on this podcast. Wait a second. Ben, do you know what he's talking about? Well, I've listened to almost every episode, but I've avoided I've avoided some because of spoilers. I yeah, haven't yeah, seen yeah. the movies yet. Oh. Which uh, movie which movie does this? This is a great question, Caleb. Your life is good, Seth, but it but it can be better. Oh, oh, oh my okay. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> See, I haven't seen this movie, but I listened <laughs> I listened to the episode anyway. Oh. <laughs> I've seen the memes. So Um <laughs> But do you remember when they were in, I think it was Egypt also, but was it? Um, Wonder Woman did that whole thing where she was underneath oh, the truck yeah. holding on to it. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. You're right. That was a probably almost, I'm, I'm trying to remember how the shot was done, but 
I feel, yeah, that was a very similar. Wow. You know, and that goes to show later, I, I was thinking of other movies that were probably influenced by the whole Indiana Jones thing. And I think Indiana Jones, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg acknowledged some other influences of like their childhood. Um, they watched these like matinee serial shorts of like, um, I don't know, like treasure hunting, like, uh, you know, archaeologist kind of people. But the mm-hmm. I think that these movies have in, influenced the action movie treasure hunting genre maybe even like establish that genre in film. I'm not really sure. Yeah, we can talk about that later, but wow. Yeah. I did not make the connection between Wonder Woman and Indiana Jones, but dang, (laughs) I won't be able to unsee that now. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. Um, yeah. So there's action, there's friendship, I guess we talked about. So we have Sala introduced in this movie. Who's a really cool guy helping dig. I guess he's helping the Nazis dig as a business, but he's really helping wants to help Jones find the treasure or find the Ark first. Um, but he's not like, he's not a duplicitous person. I think he's supposed to be like a good guy, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think he's just sort of being coerced by the Nazis to help and he's sort of doing it like reluctantly. Yeah. But he, when, when Indy sort of, becomes a player in the game then he's like okay well we're gonna we're gonna sort of undercut them and try to find it before they do yeah yeah and i think he was a strong friend companion for like i mean just like actor wise or character wise he was a good character to about like kind of fit into the whole story yeah we're introduced to a couple of characters that come back in last crusade and it's sort of just a this is a good movie to sort of establish yeah, yeah. those characters like Brody and, and Sala. Yeah, so Brody. What do you guys think of Brody? Because um, he doesn't have a huge role in this movie, but I guess he's still important. Um, yeah, he they kind of make him into a bumbling idiot. A little bit, <laughs> in the <last> yeah. Movie. <laughs> but, uh, the first movie, I didn't really get that vibe from. He just seemed like he was indie, but like 20 years in the future. Yeah, he, I think he even says, like, if I was younger, you know, I, I would have done this 10 years ago, like, gone after the Ark, mm-hmm. um, when they're getting recruited by the CIA or whoever to go run this uh, exfiltration scheme. That was also kind of interesting that it was like a government, you know, let's get this before the Nazis get it whole, Yeah. you know, thing. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it made, you know, the, the entire plot made sense, like... Hitler obviously, you know, was looking to, <laughs> I guess, take over the world. Yeah. And they were looking for a weapon that would help them sort of, I guess, do that. Yeah. And so, naturally, he'd want to sort of find all the artifacts that he can that would help him achieve his ultimate goal. And, of course, America would, they would be interested in that and want to beat him to the punch and so they recruit you know a very famed local archaeologist who is known for his adventures and i suppose successes we we don't typically see him take home the loot too often (laughs) yeah but well yeah um apparently he's been established and he's he's brought home treasure before (laughs) <laughs> so yeah but not in the movie decide to recruit him yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think in the last movie i guess he technically brought that cross and they were able to 
put it in the museum. Yeah, the Crossed Coronado. There little, you go. He did. He did. Yeah. He did find something. So my my description yeah. was a little too harsh. But typically, I would say it's either a very important artifact to where they couldn't put it in the museum, or he, it just gets away from him. Yeah. So I, I guess so. Yeah, he has. A, I guess a good, you know, reason for existing. Indiana Jones. He's a professor. He's an archaeologist. He's commissioned by a museum to like find artifacts. Like he has a very compelling, you know, skill set. So he but he needs you know the quest or the thing to go after. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I don't know. I guess in the in the Christianized West, like the something like the Ark of the Covenant is a very I don't know well known kind of artifact uh, icon um, for people. So I don't know. Would would you guys think of the whole arc being the thing that they were looking for? I'll let Ben take this one. Um, I thought it was. Um, I don't know. I think it kind of plays. It's interesting because it plays into <clears throat> a common knowledge, like like you said, kind of the mm. especially in the West, and um, I think it's. <clears throat> Like I know for me, like with like Sunday school, like growing up, that was something that I knew about growing up, and so yeah. they're kind of like relying on that, and so it, it's a it's a very like well known you know artifact, but then um, it's also something that like works well in the movie in terms of it's something that everyone knows about, but no one knows where it is, um, and so that kind of adds into the like the weight of the situation. Like, we, yeah, you're right, I I do know what this is, but like where you know where is it hidden? Mm. Um, but then I also think it really plays into kind of an interesting dynamic with the with the Nazis being the ones trying to find this. It's like, you know, the idea of like, you know, their persecution of Jewish people, but then also trying to find like their <laughs> their like most significant, um, I guess, like historical and religious artifact. Yeah, um, I think that. Yeah. yeah, I think they and they talk about that a couple of times in the movie, maybe. Um yeah. Yeah, and I guess it's it's portrayed primarily, I guess, as like a source of power with which the Hebrews, you know, dominated their enemies. Like, I don't, it's definitely not the biblical, you know, whole picture of what the Ark symbolizes and represents. But um, it is like, uh, I guess, I mean, it's gold. So that's you know makes it a, kind of a compelling treasure <laughs> thing, like shiny. Um, and it's also lost and it's mysterious. You know, like no one really knows where it is. I guess there's theories and speculations as to what's happened to it but these movies are really it's really cool how they are able to like reconstruct a historical fiction you know kind of scenario Um, i guess like most treasure movies will do is they'll take some like known artifact or thing and then they'll trace back a story that like inserts it in back into the world you know some explicable way um so i think that was a cool that was a cool choice not necessarily like i said not agreeing that they uh you know read the bible completely before they made this movie but they definitely <laughs> knew what the ark of the covenant you know roughly was um yeah yeah, yeah. so snakes you guys want to talk about snakes with the great hissing <laughs> and everything associated with those uh and i think that was probably i remember watching this movie as a kid and him being thrown into the or marion being thrown into the snake pit i think like legitimately scared me because that was just like horrifying like coming face to face with the Cobra and like, oh my goodness. I give me the heebie jeebies. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder 
are snakes just snakes in this movie or do they mean something oh. deeper like do they do they represent something something sinister uh what do you think ben <laughs> i don't know that's very sim- that's a very symbolic symbolic question hmm okay i did not think about this at all before and i may just like be pulling this answer out of my butt um <laughs> that's fine <laughs> but so in the context of the movie um like especially with already we're already kind of starting with like the ark of the covenant symbology and um and sort of that his, or that religious um history and tradition mm-hmm. the idea of like a serpent right like what does a serpent represent in the bible and um and that i think the the first thing that comes to my mind is the idea of like temptation and um and sort of like the well in general like in the you know creation story when you have the serpent in the garden it's like mm. uh it tempts you with power and with um sort of like the seeking of not like the quest for knowledge um mm-hmm. and i think that like is very that kind of works all the way up until the climax of the movie where you have them like you know indiana calling out to mary and saying like close your eyes close your eyes like we're not supposed to see mm-hmm. this like this is beyond us we you know mm-hmm. um whereas like the the Nazis and Belloc are just like soaking it all in and like, Oh, what's going on? And they're like seeking this power and seeking this knowledge of something they're not supposed to know about. Wow. Um, Man, I could kiss you. Okay. <laughs> He's married. That's, that's sort of what I was. That's sort of what I was. The the thought path that I was leading, but you, you okay. said it more eloquently. Yeah. Than I could, ben, that was but... beautiful. I think you just wrapped up the entire movie. The whole, like, cause that, that is like the whole, distinguishing tw- thing between him and all the people who want the ark is he doesn't want it to use it he wants it to preserve it you know and like relish its value as an artifact but the nazis are using it nazis and belloc are using it as like you know the source of power like trying to maybe see god or become gods for themselves um and then god unleashes a face melting guitar solo on them and <laughs> it's just goes nuts but yeah wow I think you could. You just wrote a poem about this movie. I think you should. Uh, you should publish that. Well, I this is one of my favorite movies. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I could. Fair do enough. It. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, th- I think I think that definitely there's more significance to the snakes than just being another antagonist, if you will, or just like another thing that Indiana Jones has to face off against. Yeah, yeah. and they do keep popping up a lot. You know, I guess they become part yeah. of his character. Um, was there anything else from the first movie? you guys wanted to talk about um we can re, you know we can return to comparisons between movies later but um in terms of content from the first movie i think that's probably all from me right yeah i really liked the scene with the plane mm. the the fight scene yeah, with the plane yeah. i don't really have any thing else to say yeah. i just thought i would point out like i think that's that's probably one of my yeah. favorite scenes from the series yeah um so i thought i would just bring yeah. that up it's like if rocky four was only a five minute movie like you have that whole <laughs> just good guys versus bad guys boxing the good guy definitely is overpowered but he still wins um yeah. spoiler alert for rocky four i apologize um, <laughs> deus ex machina airplane gasoline uh, explosion propeller <laughs> yeah yeah explosions my goodness so many explo- explosions in these movies um mm-hmm. real yeah real yeah, explosions. That, yeah 
It's yeah. uh, that kind of struck impressive. me as I was watching it because it's like today it's so easy to see like CG has come a long way in terms of like um, in terms of explosions and like and all that stuff. But there's like there's not nothing much like a a real like purely mm. practical effects uh, gasoline explosion from the eighties. Like that's <laughs> it's hard to beat that. Yeah, man, true. I think uh I think they definitely capitalize on that in all of these movies and using I guess they use some CGI which probably won them I guess the Oscar for visual effects. It might not have dated super well, but it's still like I guess going back and watching it like when their faces melt it's kind of like funny to watch yeah. it now. It's not really I, scary. I was I, yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, I was going to point out the face melting like that's probably what won them the Oscar <laughs> if I had to guess. Yeah. Uh, which is so creative, though. I guess, like, to hold, to like, you know, deconstruct the human body like that is, uh, I don't know. It's like the god, yeah. the god that was holding them together, is now turned on them, so they're falling apart. Dude, yeah. It's a. Or no, it's a neat little yeah observation. If you were to teach a a Bible study on Indiana Jones, you'd have to make that connection, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I probably wouldn't recommend doing that. <laughs> all right um want to move on to temple yeah absolutely and i think yeah you can hit, hit us with some of the highlights from that one all right well this movie came out um three years later and i believe that return of the jedi came out in between them so but this this movie mm. came out in 84 and this did this won one oscar so i thought i'd just go ahead and mentioned that best effects visual effects again yeah um but still starring harrison ford but this time we have kate capshaw do you guys know any significant information about her i do not so she is actually steven spielberg's wife whoa Hmm. at the time of this she was his wife no i they got married in 91 i believe so i don't know if they were knocking boots during this time or um or if they sort of you know, this is how they met, and sort of they, you know, kept yeah. kept working together afterwards, and then maybe sparked something there. But I do know that I believe they're still married. But yeah, they got married in '91, and so that's um, that's definitely something to note. Yeah. And then we have, I don't want to botch this, but Ki Hui Quan. Shortstop, or sorry, uh, short, short round, round, not shortstop. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> shortstop because he wears the Yankees hat. I was thinking Where's, baseball. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but do you know what else uh, he might be known from? Um, I I looked at his thing. I think he's only been in a handful of uh, movies. Um, um, he's most notably probably known for the Goonies. Ah, uh, is he is he a main character in that one? Yes, he is. Oh. He is my favorite character from the Goonies. Oh. Okay. Um, but he played like the gadget kid. I'm looking up his name in the movie right now. The Data. Um. Yeah, Data. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was in the Goonies, which is what I knew him from, like first probably. Um, yeah. But then, other than I mean, we've got Amrish Puri who played Mo- Mola Ram, the main villain, and then Roshan Seth. <laughs> there you go, hey. Seth. Um, That's cool. But not too many. Well, hey, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, where was Dan Aykroyd in this movie? Oh, I know, I know where he's at. You, you... Uh, tell us then. <laughs> so. Okay, I because I, I did a double take when I saw this. Uh, <laughs> when they're boarding the plane, um, 
to go like when he gets on the like cargo plane and Lau like Shea is yeah. chasing after yeah. him. Okay. Yeah. Uh he's like the guy wearing like the super short shorts and the really high socks. Um mm. and he's like, I'm sorry, sir, this is like the best we could do. But I think it's something like that. Uh, but he literally that's just oh, that his only him? role. Yeah. Um hmm. it's just a few lines. But he's the one that like helps them board the plane and then Indiana looks out and is like, you know, see you later, Lao Shay. And then he closes the door and it's says oh. Lao Shay. <laughs> yeah, that was such a great irony. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I keep going, Caleb. But uh, also Philip Stone, I recognized him from uh, Clockwork Orange and The Shining. Um, he mm. had sort of bit parts in those movies. He played like the the hotel uh... bartender, if you will, in The Shining, and then he also played um, the main characters. Alex Delarge is dad in Clockwork Orange. Okay. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't really recognize any of these other names, but the budget was, um, 28 million. So they got a bit of a, a I guess, uh, an increase in, in what they were allowed to spend for this movie. Cause the first one was so successful. Hmm. And then this one's cumulative worldwide gross is, um, about a third of a billion dollars. So still, yeah, that's a lot of money, man. St- yeah, still a very similar return. This movie made to to the first yeah. one. Um, but yeah, I, I it looks like they they might have filmed in the the USA and the UK. Um, I don't know if yeah, so they were in Sri Lanka. It looks like so they they probably did some some on mm. location shooting, but they probably mostly weren't in. You know those very old Asian sort of locations that that you you would see in the movie. Yeah. Um, it um. But others. I was just in a comment. I guess was this one, and compared to the others, this one is probably the least well received. You think? Probably, which I have my own opinions. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually my favorite one, mm. but um, we can we can talk about that at the end of this episode yeah but yeah well, did, do you think i missed anything in the imdb sort of no. over i guess you mentioned overview. it got one oscar right for something yeah one oscar okay. special effects for special effects which yeah if i had to put um or describe this movie with one word i would say it's heart-wrenching mm. um <laughs> not yeah you guys know what i mean um <laughs> yeah uh but i will say that other people like watching it i've heard the word gross thrown around um disgusting yeah just like creepy <laughs> i don't know any other words people throw out i guess about this movie i think it's pretty hilarious <laughs> hilarious okay there you go I, I i just hear dark a lot like a lot of uh, people who yeah who re- who say that this is maybe their least favorite they say it's because it's it's so much darker than the other ones which yeah. i have some thoughts mm-hmm. about but interesting yeah um yeah well i guess if that's all <clears throat> of the background, I guess, I'll just hit the, the quick highlights of the formula for us. So we're moving on from Marion. We don't have an explanation of what happened. Um, but Jones is thrust into the action um, with a meeting gone wrong with Tycoon and underworld dude Lao Shea, um, who chases them uh, on a street chase in which Jones loses his gun. So he doesn't have a gun the entire movie, which is pretty crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So... 
short round is driving with the you know bricks attached to his feet to reach the pedals and delivers <laughs> hold on to your potatoes <laughs> delivers uh <laughs> willie and jones to a plane and like most planes in these movies it blows up um but not before they're able to fly out of the sky on a raft and uh, deus ex machina life raft <laughs> <laughs> um where it just completely yeah saves their lives they sled down the himalayas and end up in <laughs> india wow that happened fast and this um village elder takes them back to uh the place he lives and explains to them that the village life is horrible and these this uh, nearby temple or ca- castle i guess the um pancot uh castle took all the kids and the sacred stone so life has been pretty stinky there lately so jones is like you know what i'll go take a look so he goes and takes a look and there's a lot of creepy stuff going on um and we can i guess go into more detail about the creepy stuff but uh if it moves then they eat it and they uh also have enslaved the entire child population to be searching for these other stones so we're into the sacred stone kind of eastern religion genre now away from the christian artifacts um and they are offering these human sacrifices to a demon thing that is basically possessing the shaman and the maharaja of the castle to do horrible things um but uh just they i guess defy some more traps and fight a bunch of people and jones and short round and willie end up saving the day and delivering the captive children back home and returning the single stone to its rightful village. So definitely missed out on some stuff there, but um, in terms of what you guys want to talk about next, I mean, there's so much that happens in this movie. That's just like, what in the world? (laughs) That was, that was wild. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. So I, I made some, interesting observations at the very so i love the opening scene yes it feels like a james bond movie. yes it does with um the song, but the song I, I just love yeah it yeah just everything about it it feels like a james bond movie the opening credits the the opening scene the, the action and everything um did you did you guys notice that they were in club obi-wan yep no are you serious yeah, the club Man. that they were in was called Club Obi Wan. You guys are so perceptive. I did not notice that. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I thought I would note that. Also, towards the beginning of the movie, and we can, you know, j- jump back if I skipped over some stuff that was interesting. Because no, there is a the opening scene is very interesting. It is. But I also noticed that the plane, um, when it's shutting down, it's the same noise that the ATATs make in Star Wars. Really. Like when the engines are failing, it's the same noises that we would huh. hear in Star Wars. Hmm. So yeah. I thought that there were some parallels there between Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Or maybe just laziness of using the same sound samples to do the <laughs> similar, you know, effect. Yeah. Yeah, there's that too. But I don't I, I kind of want to hear what you guys think about the opening sequence and like the the first scene like leading up to them being on the plane. Mm. I just love that so much. Yeah. Ben, you can go first. Um yeah. So I think like I I'm kind of split. I guess I, w- I will say I really like the the opening. It's just, it's kind of like, I would see, I also see why someone going into the, maybe into the theater when this came out or is watching them kind of in order now, they see, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark and then they come in and the very first thing they see is like a musical number. 
Um, yeah. And I could see how that would like kind of, it just feels very different. But, um, and I, I guess what I would say just to kind of summarize is like, that kind of sets the tone for the movie as like, it's also, it's going to be like really campy. Um, especially for the beginning part of the movie. Mm. Um, and then also you like within the first five minutes, you also see like meet short round. So like you have, now you have like a kid companion instead of just like, instead of Indiana and Marion and Belloc, all these adults, like you now have a kid companion in there too. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you you like that as a kid companion, just like as being a different thing or, uh, yeah, no, I think like, I think there's a lot of times where, I guess there's a lot of possibilities for it to go wrong when you have like kid actors. Cause sometimes they can just like their performance doesn't really come across on the screen. Like it's hard to connect with them cause maybe you're just distracted by the acting or something like that. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, I think, I think, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name either. Um, K Hui Kwan, but the guy played short round. Yeah. He did a, he did a really great job. And, um, I mean, I don't know what time Goonies came out around this, whether it was before or after, but, um, hmm. you could see like I think he probably got Goonies because of this movie. Okay, Goonies came out the the next year. Mm. Okay, um, makes sense. But anyway, yeah, he's uh he did a great job and like, you know, I I actually I think he's probably like behind Indiana Jones, like he's like my second favorite character. I really, hmm. um, and we can talk about this a little bit more later. But something I I noticed as we went on through the movie is, um, short round. I think multiple times has like scenes where he is kind of mimicking what Indiana's actions are. Yeah. Like he's, yes. like, and so I just thought that was really like really cute and, and very believable. Like it definitely makes him feel like a kid. That's just like kind of in awe of this like cool, suave Indiana Jones guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I just want to follow him around and like help him out and drive cars. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I agree. I think, um, and that overall opening sequence, I think the introduction to short round is really cool. You, it definitely raises a lot of questions. Cause you're like, how in the world is he like becoming like the foster parent of this kid in like the streets <laughs> of Hong Kong or wherever they are. And it's like, okay, well, we'll have to suspend that for a second and just enjoy their dynamic because I think they have maybe the best kind of, you know, relationship. Um, my favorite relationship to watch maybe of these movies but the all of yeah. the, I mean, the opening, the dancing um, stuff definitely reminded me of a Bond film. Um, and I guess there's there's many more comparisons we could make to the Bond films, um, especially when we get to the third movie. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, I wonder what that is. <laughs> um, and I think also the seeing Jones as like kind of like the father to Short Round is kind of an interesting anticipation of seeing Jones as the son to Henry jones at like mm, the father yeah. you know like there, you get you get kind of like all you get a lot of different sides of him um so i like the side of uh jones or of indiana jones that this movie explores um and i think i, I we probably i guess we didn't mention this yet but these movies are also really funny like um there's a lot of great mm-hmm. moments of like irony or just like i don't know i guess physical comedy like when like an action thing is funny like in the first movie when he like pulls out the gun and just shoots the guy it's like fighting with the big sword. Yeah. Where it's just like, and then they try to mirror that in this yeah. movie, but he doesn't have yeah, his gun. Yeah. They, they, so it's like, it's a callback, <laughs> but it's also like a, yeah, a funny yeah, moment. They do a nod. Um, so they're, they're definitely, you know, self-aware in that way of like, they're, they're funny. Like they're not, they're not just action. 
Um, but I thought the opening sequence was funny because it's just like so chaotic and like all these things going wrong. He's like on death's door, but I'm like laughing because this is just such like a hilarious situation of like the, you know, <laughs> Willie's Willie's going after the diamonds. He's going after the antidote and he just like impales this dude with like a pork spear. And it's like, what? Like, well, this is just so <laughs> random, like going on. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Maybe probably. Yeah. May, yeah. And, and- Keep, no, you go ahead. Well, I was I was just gonna say you you guys sort of touched on short round. I think he's one of my favorite sort of sidekicks or secondary characters in like any film ever. Yeah. Like I just I just love his character so yeah. much. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and um, I think that's it for me. That's that plus of this movie. Um, his relationship with Willie, I guess, is kind of comical because she's you know like the singer star wearing like the bedazzled dress and she's ending up, you know, in the wilderness getting like bullied by an elephant and having to watch people (laughs) eat like all these slimy foods that are still writhing and slithering. And she just like, she's kind of like, I don't know, maybe like what we're supposed to see ourselves as in this movie. where like, if we saw people doing this, we would totally be like freaking out. Like we would not be calm. And she's like freaking out. Like most of the movie, it seems like she doesn't really ever get completely calm (laughs) Um, yeah. So it's just funny. I don't know. I, th- I just thought they had, a, they had a funny relationship compared to like the Marion and yeah, um, stark contrast. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it's well, it's also too like she she says you know I was just you know a famous singer from like Missouri or something, and she said I had a a cushy life in Tokyo and I had a nice little house and I you know partied with these people and had a fun time and now she's thrown into this other world where she's following indiana jones into like this thuggy cult (laughs) that exists underneath a palace in india and so it's a different sort of environment that she finds herself in and so we sort of just see how she's handling that and she's had a pretty cushy sort of you know more i guess a less hard life i'm trying to think of the right word but she's had a more um come on Seth. she's like you usually know what she's like know. um she's like the Ele- she had i'll say she's like the the disney princess before the disney princesses started rescuing themselves yeah she she had a more charmed life i think is what i'm trying to say that's also a good word um but <laughs> but but yeah it's definitely a stark contrast to marion because you know we just talked about how marion was a very strong character that sort of rolled with the punches but now willie's just She's just trying to keep up the whole movie. And and eventually we actually do see her, you know, sort of come into her own towards the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Where That's she's true. like punching people in that mine cart. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> but but yeah, definitely a different character. Yeah. And um Oh, I don't want to interrupt you, Ben, if you had any comment on Willie. Um your thoughts. Um Yeah, no, just to kinda of add on to what Kill was just saying, um like in the in Raiders, uh Marion's like her sort of motivation is like, okay, if you're going to go do this, I'm doing this with you. Like, you know, don't just put me to the side. Like I'm, I'm a part of this type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in temple of doom, Willie's sort of like the whole movie. She's sort of kind of like, I just wish I wasn't here, but that kind of yeah. just adds to the comedic factor too. And I think there's something to be said too, for like keeping it extremely campy and comedic when the villains in this movie, and like the scene, like sacrifice scenes are so dark. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. they're kind of balancing it that that there, and that that 
that's like a different subject, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just tear your heart right out. Um, sorry, I'll stop making heart jokes eventually. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I think the, the heaviness is interesting compared to the funniness in this movie, because I think it's doing a lot of both, but maybe what's most interesting to me, especially looking at the, what happens across the three movies is that we have the departure from a Christian artifact story to like a more Eastern, maybe like Hindu, I guess, epic story where he's um, talking about these sacred stones that um, was it Shiva gave to, oh, I can't remember which ancient hero um, the Sanskrit legend is about that he's like reading. And then the artifacts of like the sacred stones and like this kind of more, you know, I don't say demon worship because I, the kind of, I guess, the like the worship of a non Yahweh deity. Is it Kali? Yeah, Kali, I guess, um, his name. So, what do you guys think about the shift away from the Christian thing and then back to the Christian artifact for the third movie? Did you think there was something, I don't know, like necessary there because it was maybe too unfamiliar in the second movie, or you think it was it was kind of cool to do something different? I I think personally that. They they decided to go a different route with Temple of Doom, and I very much applaud them on that. Um, I, I think that it's nice how it it definitely feels like a different like the the first and third movies feel very similar, and like they like it, they could almost be like one after the other type sequel things. Um, and I think that Temple of Doom is just different enough to where it's interesting, but I do think that it was received maybe not as well as Raiders and so with Last Crusade they decided okay we're going to go back to what you know people appreciated about the first one or we're just going to follow the formula that the first one had because people seemed that seemed to resonate with people more so than Temple of Doom which was kind of out in left field Hello? Hey. Is that you there? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> all right, we'll just cut, it, cut out this bit. <laughs> um, all right, hang on. Sorry for that bit of awkward <laughs> silence, guys. I'm not I'm not going to cut it either. I'm just oh, going yeah. to leave it in there. Yeah, leave, yeah <laughs> the real stuff. Okay. Yeah, behind-the-scenes information <laughs> that you can ask us about later. Yeah. Um, this is for the Patreon exclusive. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um yeah no i think like uh well something i don't know if we mentioned this before but this um this movie is actually a a prequel to raiders of the lost ark yeah yeah it took place in 1935 when the first one was like 36 or 7 yeah and then the last one was 38 yeah oh you know so, what? i don't know if i put that together that would explain a lot though i think mm-hmm. yeah because i remember like when they um, I think I had heard that somewhere else. Like I didn't put that together by watching the movies like only, but I think I, I heard that somewhere. And then when I, wa- when I watched this, um, uh, last week, I think I saw the opening bit where it says like, this is in, um, like in the bar it gives like, I think it's like, I think it's in Shanghai and it says like 1935. And, um, I see that and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This is, this does take place before. Um, Raiders, and then it's funny because because that was like present in my mind when he gets uh, poisoned, 
um, it's like I couldn't help but think about the fact that like this is a younger. I mean, it's only a year difference, but like I couldn't help but think that like this is a younger, less experienced Indiana Jones that's like mm. a little bit more careless, maybe. Um, and so like maybe if he's in, although never mind, in the first movie he also almost gets poisoned too, and the only reason they he doesn't get poisoned is because the monkey beat him to the yeah to the dates yeah so yeah sala sala called him and was like yo <laughs> that monkey's dead yeah so maybe this, that's also just a running gag that he gets poisoned and in this movie there was no one to stop him so he just did it <laughs> um i kind of like that yeah oh that's funny yeah um, um yeah. yeah so i guess the but yeah so that's where that's where marion is yeah yeah i was uh, wondering second. i honestly i had never observed uh, i mean i guess i had seen the dates but i never knew that the second one was chronologically before the first one but i guess that completely changes the questions you ask about the movie because then you're like well, what happens to willie in short round does he get like you know, adopted or something <laughs> yep. you know like does he like it's a uh, i feel like there's some issues there too because i feel like just i just want to know other things so interesting though interesting that yeah yeah but i guess the in terms of the, I guess, the shift in, like, kind of, like, the backstory, I guess, then kind of makes sense that he's doing something completely, like, random. But then, I guess, for audiences, it might have just been a little weird. On top of, I guess, not just the story thing, but just all of the whole, I won't say, like, goriness of this movie. Because it's not, I mean, it's, it's kind of, be a little gory. If you consider holding someone's, like, beating heart gory. But, like, it's a... Uh, and then a guy... Bursting into flames, yeah, and yeah, and like being monkey heads, yeah, eating chilled monkey brains, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a word for cutting that. Cutting open snakes. Yeah. I don't know what the word for that is, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's whack. Um, I guess is one word I'd use. <laughs> um, so yeah, so and then the bad guys in this movie, I guess that we have, I guess like the shaman, like kind of cult leader dude who's doing the mm-hmm. human sacrificing and i guess the, the maharaj is really like his puppet right i guess he's kind of like in in yeah the... he he drank the black sheep or what i forget what it was yeah called. the black something was, wasn't it blood was it called blood or was it oh i can't remember i don't i think it had a specific name oh. and for some reason black sheep is sticking out in my that's, head that's like that's the person in your family wrong. you don't talk about yeah <laughs> um which some people might say, but it's the it's the thuggy <laughs> cult too that that they oh, are. Okay, yeah. Um, contending. Yeah, against. I think it's just called the blood of Kali. Oh, okay, the blood of. Yeah, oh, that would yeah. make sense. Yeah, it put anyone who drank it into a cursed trance. Which, sorry, I just googled this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> put anyone who, yeah, this isn't me reading off from my mental yeah. like yeah. notes. Um, anyone who drank it into a cursed trance, which was known as the black sleep. Of the Kali. Mm, okay. So, not black uh, sheep, sleep. black sleep. So that, yeah, Caleb, you're so close. <laughs> um, as, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. And I was actually just, just thinking this, is that's basically like the anti-Holy Grail. Like, that's the thing yeah. you drink to basically enter into like a living death, whereas the Holy Grail is yeah. a thing you like drink to like elongate or prolong your life. So, man, a lot of interesting... I guess, I don't know if that's intentional or not. It's just, I guess, interesting that we have images of him drinking cups. I guess being poisoned. He gets poisoned twice in this movie then, really. He gets poisoned at the beginning. Then he gets this kind of curse, oh, yeah. you know, where so that maybe is like a foreshadowing from the beginning of he's going to drink the Kool-Aid later on. Um, 
not intentionally. I guess not, you know, not, not willingly. We should probably give him some credit there. Yeah. They did like punch him in the gut. To yeah. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a, okay. So I have an interesting theory or just an observation about the, um, the fact that, so because in the first and the third movies, the antagonists are Nazis. Hmm. Whereas this one, the antagonist is like this, like sort of death cult that's enslaving kids. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting because, like, I think the reason this movie feels so dark to people is, well, I mean, a they like, it is darker, but um, especially also just the fact that it's all sort of in a cave. Like it once it once it goes in that um, that setting, like yeah. it stays dark in the movie for for most of the movie. Yeah. Um. But I think, like, the uh, the antagonists in the first and third movies, like, you don't need to know, you don't need to see on screen anything that the Nazis are doing to know that they're bad, because they're Nazis, and, like, mm. that's already in our collective conscience. But in order for you to, like, buy in on Temple of Doom, they have to, intro- and they're introducing this new, um, this new antagonist, you have, they have to, like, show you why they're evil and why we should care. And because they're actually having to show you, that's why it feels so much darker and, like, violent. Because um, yeah, otherwise it would just be overly point. campy and we wouldn't be invested. So there are, like, it adds stakes to it. Whereas, like, we already, there's already stakes on, you know, in place with the first and third movies because they're Nazis and we're already invested in it because we know they're how evil they are. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense that, and one of the reasons, I guess, this movie had to be so visual with the the evil i hadn't thought about that though i think that's i think it's that's a good observation yeah definitely thanks for that ben you um you you just gave you just defended um maybe one of the primary attacks or defended against one of the primary attacks people would make in this movie is that it shows too much but yeah yeah maybe that's the point I have a fun little anecdote. Um, so, <laughs> so I am drawn to this movie, and this is my favorite one, just because of the sentimental sort of value that it holds for me. Because when I was growing up, uh, I, I believe my my dad, someone at work, gave him like a box of VHS movies. Um, like someone from work was just getting rid of them, I guess. And I don't think DVDs were out yet, so I don't think they were you know, upscaling them or, you know, upgrading them or anything. I think they were just cleaning out their their movie collection. But um, th- it, they gave us, like, a Harry Potter movie or two, the Star Wars original trilogy, um, some other stuff. But there was only one Indiana Jones movie, and it was Temple of Doom. <laughs> and so um, we, we would watch it as a family, and I watched it a couple of times as a kid. And this is the movie that, like, gave me nightmares. Mm. Um, this is, like, the movie that I watched that, like, the first time I watched it, I was... My parents knew what was coming because they'd seen it before in the 80s. And so they are like, well, cover your eyes. There's this one part. And so... But I would peek and watch, you know, the guy's heart getting pulled oh, out. Yeah. And and so I just have so many memories of, of growing up with this movie because it was the only one that we owned for a while. And so I just watched Temple of Doom, and it gave me nightmares. And <laughs> me and my sister would uh, always just be like, Kalima, Kalima, or Om Nom Shiva, Om Nom Shiva, Om Nom Shiva. Like, we would always, like, that. that's something that I quote, like, I've quoted my whole entire life is this movie. But um, I thought I'd mention that 
So whenever I'm just sort of saying that to give a heads up as to when I'm rating these movies at the very end of the episode, that's I'm coming yeah. from that. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I thought I would also mention some things about this movie that I noticed that were inconsistent. Mm. So, um, I mentioned some things already, but I, I took a couple of notes and I noticed that with Willie, when she was the human sacrifice, she didn't have her heart pulled out, which was yeah. interesting. Why didn't she have her heart pulled out? And she also didn't catch fire when she was like three inches above the lava. Yeah. So it was kind of, she, she was protected by the script. <laughs> she had like a protective shield yeah. around her because she had a plot shield around her, I guess is what I'm trying to mm, say. That's a good vocabulary. But, plot shield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But those are just some things that I noticed. And there's also some other stuff uh, I think that I didn't take notes too carefully. But those were some things that I've noticed that I were just, or I was just kind of like, well, hmm. <laughs> I, I don't really buy that. Yeah. Or it's that's very convenient yeah. that that happened that yeah. way. Well, but, one of those things for me might be almost maybe I call it like a devolution over the three movies in terms of how he actually uses his um, iconic tools of like the whip and the gun. So like in the first movie, I feel like he uses them a lot for different things. Um, and he uses, I guess the whip some in temple of doom, but like we observed, he doesn't have the gun the entire movie. Um, so he doesn't, there's no like shooting stuff. Like there's, I mean, there's fighting, but I guess he might've almost been like overpowered. If he had just had a gun, he could have just like shot, you know, these people and saved a lot of issues. And then even the third movie, I think it was mostly like hand to hand fighting. I don't think he really, um, like, I just can't remember instances using the whip, you know, and, and gun a whole lot. So I just thought that was interesting too, that the, I guess they, they're trying to change up, you know, give him additional challenges as a character to like, so it's not just the same, exact same thing over and over again. Or maybe I'm off on that. I don't know. What do yeah. you guys think? I mean, I, I watched the, the last crusade recently and I will say that I do think that he uses the whip a fair amount. Mm. The gun, he doesn't... I think he's, like, out of ammo for most of the movie, and then he, like, kills a couple people with a gun, like, within the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, or, like, when they're on the tank. I think that's the only time he really uses a gun. Yeah, maybe, um, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I think to your point, he those do seem to be signature tools or weapons, if you will, um, established in Raiders, but then we sort of see them become less and less prominent in the latter movies. Um, and I think it's to, to your, to your point, they, they kind of, they could be easy cop-outs in certain situations. And so they want him to face mm. challenges or, or come at them differently. Like in the first movie, he shoots the guy who has the sword, but in the second movie, he has to just roll with the punches because he doesn't have his gun on him. Yeah. And like, we've seen that before. We've seen him shoot the guy with the sword. So it's more fun to watch him sort of have it, have to think his way out of it or, you know, yeah. fight his way out of it. Yeah. I guess yeah, improvising is kind of like one of his things. And if I remember the whip, and the second movie, is it used against him to, like, whip him once he's captured? Um, so, like, yes. it becomes, I guess, his enemy thing. Um, so, yeah, in interesting stuff with that. And I guess, oh, man, I, I just want to keep talking about short round because I just, I love the whole short <laughs> round. Um, thing, but I, I don't want to get off if you guys want to talk about something different. No, short, I, I want to hear so, it. What do you have to say about short round? I was round? Just trying to reflect on all of the ways in which this movie 
like Ben observed, where you just like get these cool imitations or parallels between um, Short Round and Jones, where like they they're both getting whipped. Um, they're both like Short Round's fighting the Maharaja kid, while Jones is fighting the big turban boss battle guy. Yeah. Um, and they're doing <laughs> boss. They have very similar, I guess, like situations and circumstances or my thing oh so like short round sleeps with like his hat over his eyes like jones was sleeping with his hat over his eyes so there's just all these little like small things i think that's just really funny to see like or short round's just like watching him like eating up everything he does and like he whatever he does or sorry whatever jones does short round is going to do um it's just yeah. a really cool i don't know kind of almost innocent picture i guess of like like a i don't know role model i don't know what do you guys think I agree. Like that's yeah. It's just I, think, I, I just, um, I just yeah. loved it. I don't know. I just loved it. I need to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed their relationship, and I, I I just love short round as a character. So yeah, I I agree, and I'm I'm buying into mm, it too. Yeah. We need a short round spinoff movie. I think. Whereas like where <laughs> where are they now? It's like short round is still wearing the Yankees cap somewhere in India, finding treasure and. Well, I I think. I think an older short round would basically be Jackie Chan, right? <laughs> you know, I guess, you know, there's there could be an opportunity there. Well, Jackie Chan's like 70 well, So is Harrison now, Ford, so. so I mean, they they didn't stop them from, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but they wouldn't be the same age. <laughs> you know, you're right, you're right, you're right. Sorry. Sorry, fans, I was getting a little too ahead of myself with my short round enthusiasm. Um, I was short round excited. Gets... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I liked your point. Oh, better. okay. So short round gets like we're we're all in agreement here that short round gets the uh, the movie pass movie passion seal of approval. Yes. Yeah. He's a, yeah, definitely. Certified fresh by the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess the, like the moving towards the end of the movie, there's some of the iconic, you know, like chase kind of stuff. There wasn't really a a chase. For most of the movie, until you get to the mining cart stuff at the end, which I thought was a cool original, you know, twist on a oh, it's so so yeah, much chase fun. scene, um, jumping between mining carts and fighting, and you even mentioned I think Caleb that Willie throws a punch, so it's just like kind of some fun action happening there. Yeah, um, and then we find ourselves outside finally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and the the whole bridge thing that that's fun. Yeah, that was oh man. Did you guys see that coming? I don't know if you remember the first time you watched the movie, but the whole like how to get out of that scenario of being caught in the middle of a suspension bridge with enemies on both sides. Yeah, I don't know if I saw that coming. I mean, I was a child the first time I saw it, yeah. but I don't think like Mole Rom was very caught off guard. Like he was like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Are you seriously about to <laughs> yeah. send this bridge into the into the river below?" Yeah. And so I, I, I definitely thought that that was very fun and interesting and added some action to the movie. Yeah. The uh, the thrill of impending death. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's there also too. Um, I I noticed in this movie that there are a lot of iconic shots like. Mm. mole rom turning towards the camera like i've seen that in like compilation videos mm. or like indiana jones saying like 
um, I'll see you in hell or whatever he says whenever he's about to chop. Like, I feel like those are very iconic scenes in just film in general. Like, I feel like whenever you're watching, you know how studios will have like a compilation video where it like showcases where they've been and it's, it's, it's sort of like if you're watching a DVD or a VHS, it'll be like at the very beginning mm-hmm. and it'll be like, oh, you know, this is Warner Brothers Studios or you know whatever oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i feel like those are those are images that i've seen in those sorts of compilation videos before yeah like very iconic in in film yeah 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 i would agree and i guess this to the earlier observation of this is a visually striking movie even if it doesn't maybe mm-hmm. sit with everyone well at the end of the day yeah um and i also i also noted that um it looks like Han Solo was force sensitive after all because he would have had to cast a protective force shield around himself for none of those arrows to hit. Yeah, him. you're talking about the, the when he yeah. was hanging on to the you're ladder. You're talking about the plot, the plot the shield. Bridge. I think there was another plot shield. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, um, another plot shield. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I think it, it caught me a little off guard when he started chanting and then like the stones like burn through the bag and stuff and like you know he's doing a little bit of the voodoo. Um, it was just mm-hmm. like, whoa! I didn't see that one coming. I thought he was gonna rip out the guy's heart. That's really what I was afraid of, and I was like, oh no, this is this is getting way too dark. Um, uh, but I guess you know, if that's what um, Moran was going to do to him, I guess it's only fair that he turns around and does it to him. But you have to love your neighbor, so we shouldn't do that. <laughs> the Bible says not to wrestle your neighbor. <laughs> oh man, we have to review that movie sometime too. <laughs> it's like the hundredth episode special. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, waiting for that. Yeah, we'll invite Cody yeah. to talk, oh my talk with us about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll just do a live reading of like a reenactment of like a oh, just live commentary. You like yeah. have it? Yeah, yeah. You give goodness. a commentary track. Yeah. So yeah, be on the lookout for Nacho Libre, everybody, because that definitely is just like an Indiana Jones movie in every way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Temple of Doom. There was Doom. There was a temple, but it was not utter Doom because. They deliver the children to freedom. I don't know how the kids got out. Oh, I guess they ran out the front door. That was kind of a cool scene. All the kids are liberated. Yeah. And, uh... Sorry. <laughs> just the phrase, oh, they just ran out the front door. Like, come on, kids. You could have done yeah. that a whole movie well, ago. yeah. Sorry. Sorry to oversimplify <laughs> that a little too much. But uh, that was that was a really cool, no. you know, liberation from their human traffickers. Yeah, there's like there was a lot of heavy stuff in that movie. Man. But, um... I guess... That's probably all I can think of I was wanting to mention in particular. Yeah, yeah one thing we didn't touch on that I don't want to talk about, but I thought I would just bring up, because it's a, it's, it's a fairly, I guess, it's not important, but it's interesting. It's when the, um, what is his title? The Maharaj? Maharaja, Mahar- I think, maybe? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, so when that kid was using the voodoo mm. doll, that was, that was an interesting... Mm, yeah. yeah element yeah it um it was wasn't it i have dolls of both of you guys in my apartment that sometimes i'll just poke to see if you guys like you know call me and are in pain or something (laughs) (laughs) but but those were all of the uh the thoughts that i guess i had on on temple Mm. of doom did did you did you have anything else ben no it's like it's a solid movie solid it's great movie not just solid Mm. Yeah, what am I? What am I saying? It's a no. You can movie. say solid, but I, I guess no. You might not be Team Caleb, where this is your favorite movie of the three. We don't have to reveal that yet. Yeah, but yeah. 
so something that's just coming to mind is just sort of like the idea that this one feels really like sort of like episodic, like it's very self-contained. Yeah, which yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially as a middle movie, mm-hmm. like in the series, even though it's a prequel, it's like it's still. It gives you like it just it's Indiana Jones in like a two hour segment yeah. without like yeah it's solid yeah. and I guess going on that though one of my potential critiques might be that every movie is like that where um, it is almost like each one's a self contained story because there's no other than a few characters coming back in the third one there's not really a um, I don't know you don't really I don't feel like you really need to know the first movie to appreciate the third movie and the second movie you could miss yeah. and have no idea that you missed it. Yeah. Yeah. You might miss some of the callbacks, like yeah. the little, little tiny things like, um, that, that really don't matter much, yeah. but you might get yeah. a little chuckle yeah. out of them. So that's the only yeah. thing you'd be missing. But yeah, I, I would argue that all of these movies kind of yeah. stand on their own and, and um, don't really feed into yeah. one so, another yeah, We can all. evaluate that, that later as, when we're talking about the trilogy as a whole. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to the last movie, also known as The Last Crusade. Yep. So this one came out a bit later, 1989, and I, I noticed that Harrison Ford visibly looked a bit older in this yeah, movie. Not quite as old as the, the crystal um, skull, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah. One. Yeah. But yeah, but this one came out almost at the turn of the decade. This was so 89 same year as Batman. Mm, yeah. But, um, same, same, same party of people, I guess, you know, um, Steven Spielberg's back directing. I don't know if I mentioned that at all beforehand, but Steven Spielberg direct, directed mm. all of these. Um, but we've got some, some people coming back for this movie, but also some new additions, some very notable people. So in terms of cast, of course we have Harrison Ford, but we have Sean Connery now coming back, um, which like you mentioned earlier, Seth, there are some parallels between James Bond and mm-hmm. the Indiana Jones movies. And so it's funny that they got James yeah, Bond yeah. Which to be I in think, this movie. I think George Lucas admits <laughs> that that was an influence. So I think they, that's one of the reasons they went after Sean Connery was to like, just, I don't know, maybe not appease the bond fans, but really to like bring that, you know, all together. Yeah. Um, but we've got Denim Holt, Eli- or Denholm Elliot back, um, who plays Brody. Um, Allison duty <laughs> played Elsa. Sorry. That's my 10 year old coming through. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> but, John Reese Davies back as Sala, um, Julian Glover as Walter Donovan, River Phoenix. I didn't, I didn't remember him being like I, I knew that there was a young indie scene at the beginning of this movie, but I didn't know that it was River Phoenix who, um, you know, is the I think older brother of Joaquin. Really, he's now deceased wow. and 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 has been so for some time. Um, yeah, I think he's the older brother, but yeah, he was, he was famous for many things. Um, he, he was a yeah. very notable Well, hey, going actor, back um, real quick like before 80s. we move on from Allison Duty, she was a Bond girl. She was in a view to, she was in a view was to kill really? with Roger Moore. Um, oh, uh, okay. Well that explains it. Cause I, that's, that's the worst yeah. Bond movie. <laughs> so that's, that's why I've only so, seen that one like once. So that's yeah, why I didn't I guess recognize that just to, while we're talking about the Bond parallels, that that's also fun. She was in the 1985 
Bond movie. So it also looks like she was in something with Pierce Brosnan. Oh, in yeah, <laughs> Taffin. Interesting. So well, that was before Brosnan became Bond, right? Yeah, beforehand, it looks like it might be a spy yeah, looks, movie. He's holding a gun, so that looks pretty spy to me. It looks like a Bond sort of, not parody, but like a nod to it. It mm. looks like a Bond <laughs> ripoff. Yeah. But, but very, yeah, very that's interesting. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, But yeah, River Phoenix, and other than those guys, I don't think anybody else sort of jumps out at me mm. yeah um and so this movie um budget wise 48 million so the first movie was 18 second 28 and now we are 20 million more um than the second movie so they've got another budgetary um increase and this movie's worldwide gross is actually the most out of all the movies it's um Nearly five mil, five hundred mm, wow. million, nearly half a billion. Yeah. So, pretty yeah. impressive. And I guess also maybe worth noting is this is the first one that was PG thirteen because I think the other ones were just PG. So I guess they yeah. invented the PG thirteen yeah. rating around this time. After they saw a Tim they're like, "We need it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep calling this PG anymore." These guys rip yeah. out hearts. We gotta come up with something a little bit. Our kids deserve better. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but it looks like they did film abroad mm. a bit in yeah. this one too. Um, some, some in uh, New Mexico, Germany, Spain, Italy, of course yeah. the U.S. Um, so yeah, so I guess I'll try to hit maybe a few highlights before we talk about the rest of the stuff. Um, but in a lot of ways, I think the Last Crusade is trying to bring the series full circle because it's also kind of like an origin movie, and with some of the information we get, yeah. Um, and, w- and in doing so, it's also maybe intentionally breaking the pattern from the last two movies. So, like, by opening with a flashback to um, young Indiana Jones's childhood with the explaining why he's afraid of snakes, explaining, you know, first time he used a whip and how Harrison Ford got the iconic scar on his chin, uh, where his hat came from, um, introducing the character of his father. Um, and then I guess that is a really smooth segue into the cross of Coronado um, uh, item that he's fighting for as an adult now at the beginning of the movie and apparently i saw this a note on imdb i think it says corona on the ship that's sinking which is maybe a you know very timely uh reference that we have a sinking corona ship well i think it yeah, said but i guess you see, the, you see the a like um above the waters right before it's sinking i think but i think you're right that it is named after the the cross but 2020 um yeah anyways back to indiana jones um i think it also knowing that there's like a trope of bad guys it bluffs the bad guys a little bit so you're going through this movie you're pursuing the holy grail he you know gets this quest from this smooth talking american dude not a european dude um who ends up being the bad guy but it bluffs this uh the brotherhood um that protects the holy grail as the bad guy because they're like chasing them and fighting them and stuff and then, of course, you figure out, well, it's actually Nazis. So, you know, the, they still got the same, you know, bad guy everybody hates. But I think they're trying to, like, maybe break some of the expectations in the formula because we get some of those things back from the first movie. Like, we see uh, Jones in the classroom with the students all in love with him. Uh, Marcus comes back and joins on the journey. Um, Sala comes back and joins on the journey. So he has, like, multiple sidekicks, I guess, of the favorite sidekicks. Um, 
And again, of course, we're going going for the Holy Grail, so back to like a Christian artifact uh, kind of thing. So instead of seeing Jones yeah. as the father in this movie, um, to kind of like the you know adoptive maybe father of Short Round, we see Henry Jones Sr., or I guess maybe he's not senior, but oh yeah, he calls him Jr. So Henry Jones Sr. as the father of Jones, but he's like as different as they can be because um, like he's not amused at all at the fighting. He has no fighting skills. He's clumsy. He drops a lighter and almost like kills them by burning them like in the castle. They have completely different priorities about what to do, like with the Grail or where to go. Um, and he's so clumsy, he shoots the tail of the plane they're flying and like they crash. So he's completely a foil to <laughs> Indiana Jones in that he has no skills. But he shows, yeah, he they shows <laughs> he shows this gradual growth where he he takes down a plane by shooting birds an umbrella. Um, he survives the whole tank ordeal. Uh, ultimately him and Jones are in sync at the end of the movie, which I thought was really cool. Um, where as he's dying and needing the grail to stay alive, what he's thinking, um, is what, uh, Indy is thinking and doing to get past the three trials on the final path. So I think that was a really cool element to this movie. We can talk about that more. Um, but the, yeah, I guess so we have the bluff bad guy where he's chasing down, going down with Elsa, his love interest. Um, sidekick for a little while retracing the steps of his father who's gotten lost searching for the grail um we think we see the bad guys but there of course there's a betrayal it's the nazis and elsa's working with the nazis and then we get the jones boys at it together the rest of the movie um doing more exciting chases and ultimately having to recover the holy grail in order to keep uh jones senior from passing death's gates so yeah very very cool movie one thing i thought of yeah um one thing i thought of while you were talking about the movie and how it sort of came Mm. full circle um and how it brought back a lot of the elements from the first one it kind of so what what i mentioned earlier was that i think that they had a formula in the first movie that they veered off from in the second and then they decided to go back to that formula in the third movie because it worked well and they thought that that's what fans mm-hmm. probably wanted because temple of doom wasn't received as as well as raiders of the lost ark and that sort of made me think of the new star wars oh, sequel wow. trilogy in and i mean the indiana jones are not nearly as inconsistent or just poorly executed yeah. as as the star wars the trilogy movie. so i'm not yeah um but i guess i guess what i was just thinking was you have this this movie to sort of set the stage to sort of introduce us to the characters a second movie where they sort of veer off into you know try something mm-hmm. new to to maybe take some risks and then the third movie where the second one wasn't received all that well they decide well we're just going to go back to what worked the first time or sort of go back to our roots and, and try this thing again because the, the second one wasn't received as well. And, and so that's sort of the parallel that I was mm. drawing when you were, yeah. when you were talking. Ben, would you probably agree that that seems to be a return in some ways to the first movies tendencies? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I definitely think that, I don't know if it's necessarily completely due to like any failures of the second one, I think maybe just like they wanted to experiment and tell a different story. Cause if they made, imagine if like they made all three of them mm-hmm. all sort of centered around like Christian symbology, fighting the Nazis. Like I think it would kind of r- run a little stale. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think they do. 
I think the trilogy as a whole works to balance itself. Like the first movie is really good at introducing it. It's a very good standalone film. And then um, I also really appreciate the third one for um, showing him a, a bit older and also like having a little bit more of a, like a character growth mm. aspect to him. Cause I don't think you get too much of that with the first and second one, the way you do with the third one where he's, he's interacting with his dad. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe the similar like plot in terms of, you know, the mission is like, we're trying to find the grail and we're fighting Nazis. Like the similarities with the first movie kind of provides like some comfort and like familiarity. So that way they can explore more of the character driven yeah. stuff. Maybe. Mm. Mm. Um, but, but also like, I, I, you know, I didn't see the movies when they came out. And so maybe, maybe it is possible that the second one wasn't received as well. Like, you know, you can look at the numbers by budget, but a lot of that may just be riding on the fame of the, or like the, how well the first movie did. Yeah. But, yeah. What? Um, yeah. I think they do well to balance each other. Mm. So that's kind of my, my yeah. thought. Well, and since you mentioned character development, I guess we can think about that, um, and as a trilogy, does well, I was trying to ask myself is does um, Indiana Jones have a character arc that actually spreads across the three movies, or does each movie kind of just have its own episodic, you know, progression? And I think with what you just mentioned, made me realize or think that I think it was in Temple of Doom where Willie asks him like why he does this. He's like fortune and glory or something like that. And that if that's the prequel, then what he has to overcome in the third movie is this desire for fortune and glory, because if he doesn't let go of the Holy grail, then he'll die. Like he's, he has the choice between, you know, letting that go and escaping or like continuing to reach like Elsa did. Cause Elsa couldn't let it go. Um, so he kind of, I guess, grows to the point. Maybe you could argue where he met at one point he was concerned about fortune and glory. And then now he maybe has gotten past that. I don't know. So is that too much of a stretch? Yeah. No, I think that works. No. Yeah. Yeah. Because like aside, yeah, yeah, aside from that, I don't know what you'd really say is the arc. Um, yeah. I think in Raiders, he's like given the choice of like, he's not able to necessarily, I think he has the realization that like, he's not meant to see this. He's not meant to know like the power mm. of this thing. And that's, and, and he's also like tied up. <laughs> like he's not like, choosing yeah. like oh it's in my grasp let me like he's not ah, being enticed that way yeah. i think he's just realizing like oh the only thing i can do is like interesting you know, he's a little bit removed from the situation he's like i'm just gonna i'm gonna yeah. close my eyes and tell marion to close her eyes yeah so, um so, so he has an escalated choice here where before it's the choice of you know accepting he doesn't have to know but then when it is in his grasp when he's the one with the thing in his hands um can he still right. accept that um that fate. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a cool way of putting it. Yeah. Can he still yeah. walk away when when yeah. it's even yeah. closer Which, to him? Okay. Not to spoil any video games, but the uncharted video games and the Indiana Jones movies, I feel like, are cut from the same cloth in terms of um the arc and I guess there's overall influences, you know, that are just maybe common to every treasure hunting kind of game, but the whole like tomb raiding, like chases, like shooting, fighting, um, solving like the puzzles, like going, traveling the world, um, being able to walk away or figuring out like what your real role is. Um, 
feel like those games did a lot of. And other movies, I don't know, you guys seen the Mummy movies? Um, with uh, yeah. Brendan Fraser, where I think there might be a nod to Indiana Jones, where he's like, he comically shoots someone in a similar way to what Jones did in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he's kind of like nonchalantly like shoots someone who's like coming at him with like swords and doing a bunch of crazy stuff. So, I don't know if these were like the first treasure hunting movies, but they seem to be like, I don't know, setting the tone for like what, you know, a, a major motion picture action treasure adventure movie is going to look like. Um, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys are being reminded of any mo- more recent movies as you guys are watching these. I was just kind of pondering that. Yeah, National totally. Yeah, I was thinking the same yeah. thing. <laughs> but of course, spoiler alert for National Treasure, what's probably the biggest difference between National Treasure and like Indiana Jones is that like he gets the treasure. So it's like, that's, that's not, that's no fun. You can't just get the treasure. Like that, that defeats the whole purpose of going on a treasure hunt. Yeah, what lesson do you have to learn if yeah, you just ben get Gates. what you want? Um. <laughs> Thanks, Disney. But, yeah. I think definitely National Treasure had some parallels, too. Um, but Ben Gates doesn't use guns. So, hey, you know, you got to give him props. I guess he punches people. He uses his brain. Yeah, he has a very good brain and a great... And it's Nicholas Cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has that advantage um, to himself, too. Yeah, so not to get sorry, not to get too detoured, but um, I do think it was interesting. Like for the for Indiana Jones, the motivation for each movie is oh, there's a new treasure. But like for National Treasure Two, the motivation is hey, this dude's slandering your family name. You already have treasure, but now you got to go do this. He's like, okay, fine. So he's kind of they're kind of like fighting for different things, I guess. Um, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah, sorry, yeah. Well, Seth, you mentioned earlier the. I guess the comedy mm-hmm. in these movies, sort of the the humor. This one I thought mm-hmm. was hilarious, and, and and it was mostly just the relationship between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford yeah. with their characters. I thought that they played so well off of one another, and that their relate. So I I always thought, thinking back to these movies, that my favorite sort of relationship was Short Round mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones. But I think that I really enjoy. Indy and his father's relationship more like I just it was so funny to see them interact and it was I mean I just loved it like there were so many times that I found myself audibly laughing out (laughs) loud um just at things that happened and and I mean these movies are you know comedic like they're they are fun and not just super duper serious but this one I thought was just hysterical I think I could probably agree with that. Man, I don't want to kick short round after I just praised him so much, but man, I, yeah. it is um it's a toss up for me. I don't know, Ben, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> hmm. Well, so like we'll probably talk about this more when we do like our wrap up and like ratings of the movies, but like I think I'll just go ahead and say that I think this one is my favorite. Mm. Um and mostly, I mean, the the biggest thing I point to is his relationship with his dad. Um and Sean Connery, like, he is, like, he's still Sean Connery. Like, when you're watching it, you're like, oh. Like, it's the idea of, like, whether the actor, like, transcends, like, whether, you know, like, when you're looking on screen, I'm like, am I thinking that's Sean Connery or is it his dad? And I think he does, like, it is, for someone as famous and, like, big of a name as Sean Connery, especially with, like, his James Bond roles, yeah. um, it's, like, it says something for, for me to approach it. It's like, wow, this he's very believable as his dad. He's not just coming in as, like, 
a star actor that they can put the name on the movie. Like he does a really good job. Yeah. Of, of kind of embodying that character. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's able to break the typecast, if you will. And then something also that I think is hilarious about this movie in particular is I feel like there's more, uh, like one liners and quotable (laughs) moments, um, in this movie than, than the other ones. And so like, I'm thinking about like memorable moments. I'm thinking about when they're like tied up back to back and she <laughs> and Elsa leans over and she's like, I can't stop thinking about our night together. And, <laughs> and then the dad's like, yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> and then, and then like, I'm thinking about the time where uh, they're on the Zeppelin and oh, I love that scene. That's like probably my favorite, probably my like favorite oh, yes. sort of like mic drop yeah. moment of the series is when the like Nazi general guy gets on there and he's like, wait a second. And he has a realization of like, Oh, I found you. And then he turns around and it's Indiana Jones yeah. and he just like punches him out of the, <laughs> out of the window of the Zeppelin. And then he just yells out like no ticket. And I'm like, oh, no everyone's ticket. like scrambling <laughs> to find their tickets. Cause they're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was totally ignoring yeah. the fact that this guy's like an American. Yeah, yeah. Such <laughs> he's like he's got an English yeah, accent and everything. Yeah. Such or American such accent. situational comedy in this one where it's just like great. Yeah, you know, like they, they I think they nailed it. Um, yeah, in, in yeah. that respect. I wrote down. So, sorry, I, I wrote down some scenes that I thought mm. were hysterical just to mention, and so, so um, the Hitler signing, I thought was so funny mm-hmm. yeah. oh, <laughs> when yeah. hitler signed the, the the grail diary and then the no ticket that's one of the ones that i wrote down the the ships passing <laughs> ships passing in the night scene where um uh henry and and indy were, were talking about their i guess their sort of love triangle yeah. if you will <laughs> that yeah. they had with elsa that was kind of weird and then yeah. um also also cody for those listening, Cody is Seth's mm-hmm. older brother, but I was talking with him yesterday, and he uh, pointed out to me Sean Connery's stare when he's talking about, like, <laughs> well, what do you want to talk about then? And that's, that got me, like, just his stare yeah. that he was giving to um, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, the, the plane scene where he shoots out the tail, he's like, son, they got us. <laughs> Um, I, yeah. I just thought that the back and forth between those two was just so so awesome, so, and and this movie was yeah. so funny. It really is, man. You guys, you guys are reminding me how much um, fun it was to watch. Because, uh, yeah, probably the funniest. Like you're saying, if I had to think about that off the top of my head. Um. But yeah, it was, I guess, funny, but also like. Like I was saying, with the father's like death, I, you know, like where it's like the guy shoots him to motivate Jones, or Donovan shoots him to motivate Jones to go through and face these final tests uh, to be worthy of receiving the Holy Grail. I mean, that's pretty, I guess, serious. It's not as not nearly probably as heavy as the uh, Temple of Doom kind of stuff, but um, yeah, good. A lot there's still like contrast, I guess. Like it didn't just become like get Guardians of the Galaxy, like so funny. It's like it's, you're not even really I, I don't know you're not you can you kind of forget like what movie you're watching you know because you're just like laughing the whole time um yeah well they know they i think they pull off comedy yeah, perfectly yeah. in this movie because i think that you know the marvel movies are fun and all um 
to go off of your example of Guardians of the Galaxy, but I, I think that they um they mm. overdo it in all of them. <laughs> I think that they focus a lot on the, on the comedic element, and sort of you get lost in that. And so the serious moments might not feel as impactful, or maybe they mm. feel more impactful because you know you've been having a good time with these characters, and now something serious has happened, um, and it kind of throws you off. But but I, I do think that like you were saying. Guardians of the Galaxy or, or maybe some of the other Marvel movies might overdo it with the comedy, like they rely on it and mm. lean into it. But I think that this movie has has an excellent balance to where, you know, there's serious moments where they're running from the Nazis and whatnot, but then it, it's also very yeah, funny yeah. at times. But then it gets serious when it needs to, like when, when um, Henry gets yeah. shot and, and sort of takes us through to the yeah. climax. I guess you, you bring up one of, maybe one of the most iconic parts of this movie is the motorcycle chase that they have. Um, leaving the castle when it's like Jones, uh, in, Indiana Jones driving and uh, Henry Jones in the sidecar, like doing like the javelin stuff and all, of, you know, like that <laughs> yeah, kind of medieval yeah. um, jousting, I guess is what they call it. That's called. And uh, I guess like the yeah. final, I don't know if it felt really long to me, but like the chasing at the end in the desert where they had like all these vehicles in the tank um, and all of that going on, like that felt like a very long action sequence. Um not necessarily a bad thing. I think it felt like, yeah, it felt long to me because I felt like we'd seen mm. it before. Like it felt like, an, it felt like it it was similar to the scene yeah, from Raiders. Yeah. Not completely, but it, it just like I, I was like, okay, I've seen this before. Let's let, let's let's move yeah. on. <laughs> but 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 I mean, they did they did beef it up a little bit and introduce a tank, and there was um, more mm. horses, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, I I think, I think to your point, it did feel a little bit long and drawn out during that scene. And I think for me, it's because I felt like I'd seen something very similar to it before. Yeah. Um, that's interesting because I had the, I had the same thought. So it's interesting that we all three had the same, same thought with that. Yeah, that is interesting. That, that's where the movie slowed for yeah. me because because i was i was loving it and i it was you know we were we were running through it and i was like oh yeah this is this is very upbeat and and fast paced but then when we got to um the, the the scene with the trucks and the tank and the horses i was like okay this is mm-hmm. where it's slowing yeah. down and i think i was a little bummed out with the way the whole um the brotherhood of the cruciform sword played out because they basically they were there chasing him at the beginning in uh, Venice, and then they just all get like immediately like shot and destroyed by the Nazis. There's not really, that kind of became like a almost like a moot point, like their whole presence in the movie. Um, like it becomes much more about Donovan, you know, and Elsa's betrayal, and then you know Nazis again. So I don't know if you guys, yeah, really, if you really cared, I guess about the the brotherhood faction. I just, I was hoping maybe there'd be more to them. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. Cause like you almost think maybe like there would have been a big payoff for them to see how the events in the, like the grail chamber mm. unfold to like, for, for them to know that it, like it was like lost mm. or maybe not, maybe not even that just like the, the grail has the ability to protect itself. Right. Yeah. That like, you can't remove it from where it's at. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with Ben, like or or you too Seth. Like I just, I thought that their their character you know, their their arc didn't really pay off mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Well, I was curious. I mean, I guess I'm starting to point out some weaknesses now just because 
we've said a lot of good things, and I guess I, I'm curious what you guys think. But the other movies, I guess, had primarily one sidekick and then, like, the one love interest. So, like, in the first movie is primarily Salah, and then second movie is primarily Short Round as a sidekick. But in this movie, uh, the role was of sidekick was split. It was, like, Marcus for a while. Like, Marcus was traveling with him, and, like, you point out, Caleb, he's kind of portrayed as, like, a bumbling, you know, doofus a little bit, where he's 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 not really capable of doing a whole lot um, on his own, which I guess is kind of comedic. And then kind of have trade-off with Sala, where Sala shows up, but doesn't really do a whole lot. You know, he's kind of just there towards the end. Um, I guess he's, I'll try to help with Marcus. But, like we pointed out, the relationship with his father is probably one of the greatest payoffs of the movie because that's um, really good. But did you guys think, I don't know, the Marcus and Sala were really like necessary or like capitalized on for their presence? Um, I think, um, yeah, I think it was a good callback again, like the idea of like, just because I think in general, like when you look back, when you think back to the first movie, Sala was like a really fun character mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was like a, a good move to bring him back. Um, even if he maybe doesn't contribute a whole lot. Um, I think it's just like, it's fun to have that reuniting. Mm. And then also like Brody, uh, I think the biggest joke, like the reason Brody is in there (laughs) is so they can make the joke that he's like, when, when they're like tied up in Austria, they're like, Oh yeah, Yeah. he'll disappear. He knows a a dozen different languages. (laughs) And then they cut to him and he's like, does anyone here speak English? (laughs) Yeah, true. yeah. It was like that, that's a that's a scene that I was thinking about true. that was so funny when he's like, with any luck, he's already yeah. got the grail, and then it cuts to him. True, speak. true. Does yeah. anybody speak so, English? I guess I'm being a little harsh because that was a pretty hilarious um, moment. No, I I think you make a valid point that they they don't have much to do, but they're fun presences to have back to to Ben's point, and I do think that they, if only to you know give us a, a chuckle or to sort of you know, give us another memorable moment with them. I think that it's worth it to have them back in the yeah. movie. I think. Yep. Yeah, that, that's fair. It, it is good to see, you know, familiar things or, like, things come full circle. And, of course, they all ride off into the sunset together. So, like, what more perfect ending than, could there be than that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, if there's no more specific observations you guys have on the third one, I did make some general observations that of things that all three movies have in common. I don't know if you guys are curious to hear some of those, um, or, and or if you maybe yourself picked up on them. No, yeah, let's hear um, what you got. So I call this segment "Keeping Up with the Joneses," brought to you by uh. the Joneses. <laughs> um, so we have the Paramountain that segues seamlessly into the foreground of. I guess the background of the opening shots in Raiders Temple and Last Crusade. And you can just watch it again if you want to see how. Um, It also delays showing Jones's face immediately. We see him enter like from behind or like in the shadows and it kind of obscures him. Um, We get tomb raiding and booby traps in every movie with the Golden Idol, the tunnel under Pancot Palace and the past of the Holy Grail. We get running away from things in tunnels with the the boulder in the first movie, the water <laughs> flooding the tunnel in the second movie, and the crashed plane in the tunnel in the third movie, which that one's kind of weird because it's a plane mm. in the tunnel. Um, but, you know, they love tunnels, so. They, ha- 
Yeah, they had to meet the <laughs> Yeah, time um, running away. We uh we get introduced into the thick of the action, and he escapes in a chase. And in two of the movies, he makes that escape on a plane. Um, in the first and second movie. Uh, we have Marcus in the school in the first and third movies. Um, a role I'm calling the quest giver. So we have the CIA in the first movie, or whoever that is, the village elder in the second movie, and then Donovan in the third movie. So the people who are giving Jones his task. We have an ancient language artifact of some kind with the medallion, um, the Sanskrit legend uh, papyri thing, and the Latin tablet. We have the traveling map montages um, and flying. So when he's traveling, we see him, his progress marked on the map, which, by the way, I think is awesome. That was really cool. Um, yeah. Moment. Did you guys ever play? Yeah, go for did, it. Just to interrupt for a second, did you guys ever play Lego uh-huh. Indiana Jones? Yes. Yes. And like the loading screens were were the the oh, you know maps where the lines that's so clever. going. Man, I wish I'd played those. I guess it's not too late. It's also they also definitely do that in Minnesota Cuke. Uh, search for whatever he's looking for. Uh, I can't remember what the full title is, but the VeggieTales version oh. of Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I think there was a prior one. It was like Nevada Smith or something was a character maybe that was influenced or was an influence for Indiana Jones. I don't know how many states can be first names, but uh, if you guys think of any, feel free to shout them out. 50. <laughs> oh, wow. 50 states. Good one. Um, <laughs> uh, another okay so other things in common creepy crawlies on the floor so we have the snakes in the first movie the insects in the tunnels in the second movie and then the rats in the catacombs in the third movie um, we have a variety of chases we have foot foot chase and car chase in the first movie we have the mining cars in the second movie and then boats motorcycle and train um, so you call it planes trains and automobiles almost between all three of them uh, exploding vehicles all three have an exploding plane in addition to other things. They just like blowing up planes, I guess. There's something <laughs> about blowing up planes. Um, there's an interesting progression he has where in the first movie, he's in the back seat of a two-seater. In the second movie, he, he's in the pilot seat of the, of, of the cargo plane, like, but it's crashing, so they have to, you know, bail. And in, in the second, or sorry, in the third one, he actually flies the two-seater. So that was interesting. He kind of, like, grows in his piloting, you know, abilities across the three movies. Um, we have castles uh, in the second and third movies of various kinds. We have bad guys, of course, with the Nazis. And, n- Nazis, sorry, uh, Brad Pitt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nazis. We fight yeah. Nazis. I was trying so hard not to make any yeah, I hate those these guys. Tarantino references, um, but I just slipped up there. Uh, so we have the Nazis in Belloc in the first movie, demon possessed human sacrificing and slavers in the second movie, and then the Nazis and Donovan in the third movie with the brotherhood, uh, kind of, you know, being a little bit of bad guy, they always get captured by the bad guys. Um, so Jones and Marion get captured together. Jones and Willie get captured together. And then Jones and Jones get captured together, um, in the third movie. Um, the bad guys have some other tendencies like getting run over, um, or killing each other and like showing disregard mm-hmm. for their own lives. Getting crushed with a blood. <laughs> yes. I was going to mention that one. Um, so there's, um, I, I call them the boss battles, uh, but the boss battle turns into a blood <laughs> blood smear in um, two of the movies. Uh, in the third one, there's no blood smear; it just like falls to his death in a tank. So, I mean, that's kind of you know epic in its own mm-hmm. own regard. I was yeah. I was waiting for it when it when I was watching yeah. the third movie. I was waiting to see blood come up the tank. on the yeah, other side yeah, of the wheel, but they didn't they, do they it. Totally, I wonder if they were like just trying to make us think they're going to do it. It was like a like a joke maybe, um, but they could, totally could have done it. Um, 
the sidekick. We already mentioned the roles of those that role. And so, and we talked about the love interest, but also what I thought was funny is that he has aggressive arguing with all of them that like precedes their flame being ignited, which is just really interesting dynamic that they're just like yelling at each other and then they like start kissing and stuff. Um, Very Han Solo. I don't know where that comes from. Um, Ben, you're married. Do you think that's a good strategy to use with (laughs) women to like earn their affection? Uh, probably not. <laughs> All right. I would probably not. Just based <laughs> on the fact like that If you look like Harrison Ford, I think that you can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, you'll just have a different person every movie. True. To argue true. With. Yeah. So we have yeah. a moral there to the story. Um, of course, we have snakes in every movie, with the origins being explained in the third movie. Um, I said brooding on top of a hill. He does this pronouncedly in the first and second movie, um, where it's just like him on top of a hill, like just chilling. It's like, okay, that's cool. Um, he also has a knack for reaching under doors that are closing to retrieve things. So he gets his whip in the first movie and his hat in the second movie. Um, and the third one, he doesn't reach for anything, but he loses his hat and then the wind just blows it back to him, which is kind of just like a funny, like, wow, that was a Deus ex machina. Is that what you said, Caleb? The whole wonder of intervention there. Well, that's mostly, that's mostly just for like, you get out of an impossible situation just because yeah. the plot like yeah needs so I guess, you to. yeah so like the life raft like a life oh, raft right, wouldn't right. save your life but thank yeah. thank god well, it was able to I mean, do could that he live without that his moment. hat we haven't really seen him without it so i mean you never know um we uh True. <clears throat> excuse me we have a hiding companion or like someone hiding a companion um <clears throat> <laughs> sorry i've been talking too much Ugh, this is my batman voice um <laughs> <laughs> where were the other drugs the, going? Uh, the jones jones hides marion in a truck in the first movie and it drives away and then sala hides brody in like a truck thing and it drives away in the third movie mm-hmm. um we have a lot of important fire yeah so like lighting the snakes on fire the wrath of god melting people in the first movie the demon sacrifice is very fire oriented um they light the castle on fire when they're escaping the nazis are burning books it's a lot of fire stuff going on um, he steals uniforms and the soldier uniform in the first one and the attendant uniform in the third one. Um, in the first two, we have a bad guy performing a ritual with artifacts and headgear on chanting in another language, which is oddly specific, but it holds up because you have Belloc and the shaman doing that. And I was expecting Donovan to do something like that, but he just he only drinks the grail, so he doesn't do of the other you know bells and whistles of that bad guy trope. Uh, bad guys falling to death so the shaman falls off the bridge um the nazi general falls to his death elsa falls into the chasm as they're trying to escape um the bad guy instantaneously decomposes um after opening the ark and then after drinking the holy grail which how'd you guys think the um the grail guy turning into like a skeleton compared to the faces melting in raiders it was neat uh, I, I like the face melting better. That's more of a... That image sticks with you yeah. more, I think. Yeah. Something I thought um, was really cool is in the... In the in Raiders, like, those shots of them, like, their face melting or the head exploding mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, they're super iconic, but they're also, like... The shot is just of them. Mm. Um, and then in uh, The Last Crusade, there's actually a a shot with like from behind Donovan and it shows like his hair growing out, mm. but also it shows Elsa's reaction to it. And so the fact that they have like a, like 
I don't know how they yeah. did that. I don't know how they animated yeah. something stop motion in front of someone in real time. Mm. Uh, but it's just like, I, I don't know. I thought that was impressive. Yeah, that was pretty clearly clever. Yeah. But I guess like you guys pointed out, the people just melting is hard to forget. Um, yeah. The We mentioned the religious themes. And yeah, that's Scream. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of Screams, no, uh, not to interrupt uh, again, <laughs> but uh, there were there were Wilhelm Screams in every movie, I believe. Um, I'm trying to think. You know what those uh, are? No, I don't think so. Very famous. Uh, the like the, oh. ah! the. It's like a very famous scream that is in every movie, ah. <laughs> basically. It's in Star Wars, Indiana Jones. I think it originated in the fifties, and it's been used in every major like blockbuster sort of movie that sort of rides the same line as Star mm. Wars, Indiana Jones. That's cool movies like that but it's a very famous scream and it was present in i believe all three That's indiana cool. jones i didn't movies. know that i guess yeah i could definitely see that there is that iconic scream of the dude like i guess dying but it's kind of sad but i guess he did it really well um we have uh the boss battles slash the big turban guy battles um it was kind of funny like you said, the bluff in the second movie when he goes for the gun, like he's going to shoot the giant turban guy again, but he can't because he doesn't have the gun. Um, we have a lot of impending death scenarios. So like the plane propeller in the boxing match in the first movie, Willie facing the fire and Jones facing the stone crusher in the second movie, um, and the ship propeller, like when it's eating up the boat in the water um, and hanging onto the tank when it's like about to crash into the wall. Which he totally could have just like let go of the bag and been fine. That was kind of inexplicable. Um, I don't know when he gets snared. Up, yeah, yeah, you could have just left your like got your arm out of it and just sort of like yeah, dropped like to the it ground. was. I don't know. I, that was not a compelling trap to me. I didn't really understand why he was stuck. I don't know, Ben. Do you have any clarity there? Sorry, what the, was that? When when he gets <laughs> when he gets stuck, um, hanging on the tank with by his satchel thing over his shoulder. Right. I guess it just didn't seem like that should uh, be like actually able to. Oh yeah, no, I I well I watched that. I'm like, dude, just like take your arm out of the <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, maybe that's where the yeah. diary was. I don't. I I thought it was in his coat pocket, but maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a reason he needed yeah. to hang on to so, the satchel. Who knows? But on that note, he has a knack for holding on to the outside of fast moving vehicles. So the car, the mining cart, and the tank in the third movie. Um epic swinging so he swings down off the big dog statue he swings into the mining cart in the temple of doom it's kind of a cool um move there and then at the beginning he's of uh last year he when he's on the coronado ship he like swings off the boat into the water um so i guess he yeah he's a likes to swing and of course he doesn't keep the treasure so the government takes the ark the stones uh, either drop into the water or return to the village and the grail falls into the Cosmic abyss so there are certain yeah. I, I like i wouldn't say a formula but just things these movies have in common that you could fill out a pretty extensive list of their like tendencies i guess i don't know what do you, you guys think of that can you kind of see i guess did you were you guys seeing some of those things yeah for sure uh i think like that's kind of the formula for what makes Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones. Mm. So like, that's why they kind of all work and they all feel, I mean, they definitely have their differences, especially Temple of Doom feels very different, yeah, but yeah. because they're still able to use all those same bits of the formula, it still feels 
like true to Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Yeah, I noticed some of those things. Um, I'm, I'm, I might have, I might have not put them all together, mm. but yeah, I, I definitely saw those things present. And no. uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for. Well, I don't claim to completely also. have cracked the code. I was just, I was just very interested about like what makes these movies like have the feel of being Indiana Jones movie, you know, like or of that. And yeah. I'm also thinking, you know, if I was to propose a fifth Indiana Jones movie, could I do better than the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? And you know, well, if we have the formula, maybe we'll see. Um, yeah. So any uh, that that spur any other thoughts of you guys for Last Crusade or I guess any of the Indiana Jones movies? I mean, no. I mean, since you mentioned Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, um. I didn't watch it again for this review because I know that we were just going to touch on mm-hmm. the original three. But I do remember liking a lot of that movie. It's just I thought that the end was very moronic, yeah. <laughs> just about. Like I, 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 I don't know. When they introduced aliens, I was kind of yeah. It kind of yeah. ruined the movie for me. But there were when they were in like the um the 1950s like nuke town kind yeah, of like missile yeah. testing in the fridge scene yeah. that was fun um i mean the 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 i loved kate blanchett in that movie mm-hmm. i thought that she she did well um th- there was there were some fun elements but but um we decided not to talk about that movie because it it's not a part of the original 3 and also it's it's not regarded as as being a a, a decent movie and um, I think that our time is more valuable than it's. It, our time is valuable enough to where watching that movie would would be a yeah. waste. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Just not to diss anyone who worked on King of the Crystal Skull, but we probably are not as much fans. Did Steven Spielberg direct that movie? You know, I'm not sure. You, what do you guys want to ask IMDb? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was. That's that's exactly where I was headed. Because um, he did. So I guess you know, huh. there, there's continuity, but yeah, it just didn't. Yeah, it didn't land quite the same way. And I mean, the IMDb rating is six point one, and I've yeah. seen a lot yeah. worse. So it's not horrible. Um, I, this movie just didn't sit right with me. Like it didn't feel like it belonged yeah. with the other three. And I guess these three do feel like. They tell a, a trilogy story, like, pretty resolved, pretty, you know, self-contained. You know, I guess you could want more, but you're not, like, there's not any loose ends, really, at the end of the movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. But did you guys have any other observations or things that you wanted to mm. note before we moved on to the to the over the mm. reviews, I guess? Well, I had... If you guys, before we rate the movies, if you want, I guess, because we're comparing multiple movies, um, I was curious if you guys wanted, would, were able to rate your favorite love interest, your favorite sidekick, and your favorite bad guy. Um, and so that you could pick from different movies. I guess that's that being the, instead of ranking the movies, just picking from the movies. Um, but for example, like, I would say, I think. I was most compelled by the Marion relationship. Um, I'm so torn between um, 
between Shorty and Sean. I don't know who to pick for the sidekick. <laughs> um, That's where I yeah, would get. I uh, I think as well. I think I'm gonna pick Shorty for now. I'll probably change my mind, but picking Shorty, and I think the Nazis and Belloc are probably my favorite bad guys from the from the, the Raiders. I think. Yeah. Okay. Ben. Hmm. So I think my answer would normally be pretty similar, but I'm trying to like explore some other train mm. thought just to be contrary. Well, you can you can but, agree um, if you want to give uh, your your different opinion or different reasons. Yeah, I think. Um, I think it's not really a. It's not really the love interest that like is kind of intriguing. Like I definitely think. Marion is a stronger character than Elsa, mm. but I think the situation of like a love triangle is really like hilarious <laughs> to me, especially. So, so I think, um, and that also feeds into my favorite sidekick. Mm. So for me, I think the, the like love triangle situation of, um, Elsa, Indy and Henry Jones. Um, that's like my favorite. I, I'll call that a love interest. If that, if you'll accept that answer. Yeah. And then, um, and then also as part of that, I think, Hmm. I don't know. I w- actually, I, so I was going to say that Henry was my favorite sidekick, but I almost think like Sala mm. in the first movie. I don't know. He just like puts a smile, smile to my face. Like, especially cause I know like the same actor plays Gimli. It's like, I can't help but think oh. I'm just like the smiling, like, Oh yeah. I guess I, I didn't, didn't even know touch that. On that. Wow. That's, yeah. That changes yeah. it. Yeah. That's him. Um, so just kind of like the jolly, like mm-hmm. fun, energetic sidekick uh I, I really like him also the idea that he's like his guide in this culture and mm. in this new location it's kind of a very interesting he's like a sidekick for a part of the movie not like his overall sidekick the way short round is. yeah um and then i think my favorite bad guy is belloc yeah mm. i think just like straight up like not necessarily belloc and the mm. nazis oh, just yeah, yeah. like i think he's a very solid just individual character um yeah that's my that's my roundup. Yeah. Um, I'd say love interest. I, I agree with Ben. I really like the love triangle situation, but I think that Marion's just such a strong character that I'm gonna have to pick her. And I think it says something. I, I mentioned this earlier, but I think it says something that they brought her back for the uh, Kingdom yeah. of the Crystal Skull. So I'm gonna have to choose her. Um, favorite sidekick, this is hard for me because I do love the relationship between, um, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford on screen. Um, but I, I got it. I think I might have to go with short round in this mm. moment. I'm kind of like you, Seth, where I think it could, <laughs> if you ask me tomorrow, yeah. I might choose, um, yeah. Henry, but yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm well, going to go well, short you more time to think um, right about your now. bad guy. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that Sean Connery and Harrison Ford are only like 10 years apart um, in age. Yeah, yeah, so- like they're something not... like that. So the fact that they make a believable father-son is also kind of like funny because they're closer to being like brothers than anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> favorite villain... So, 
I feel like I, I might have to agree with you guys and choose Bella just because he seems like a a, a good opposite for mm. Indiana Jones. Like they're kind of in the same field. They're both archaeologists. They're both, you know, peers, if you will, but they're they're rivals. And so I think that he makes for a very good um antagonist in these movies. I want to like Mole Rom better, but I feel like he doesn't do anything in that movie. Like I think he's a much more yeah. menacing character. Um, but I I feel like he just doesn't do too much. Um especially in the scene where they're in like the the mine. He kind of just disappears for twenty minutes and then he shows yeah. up again at the bridge. Or he's like directing people to get in mine carts and chase, but he's not really a part of the action himself. Um, Walter's kind of lame, <laughs> but but the Nazis are fun, <laughs> fun antagonists yeah. in these movies. But yeah, I, I might have to choose mm. Belloc. Um, so Marion, Short Round, and yeah. Belloc, wow. I think are my answers. Yeah, so I guess we all have moment. relative agreement on most of those, except for I guess you know the the love triangle being a other compelling feature. Um, yeah yeah i was curious before we went into rate rating um whole movies uh what you guys thought about those things um so i guess we could i guess we yeah. could rate maybe the rankings of the movies within the trilogy so like one two three within the movies and then you want to rate the trilogy as a whole yeah I guess, is that probably the best way to do it i was going to do individual ratings for the movies and then rank them well, I mean, I guess we will rank them if we do the individuals. Well, so. no, yeah. So we could we could just go movie by movie then, or no? Let's let's go with. Did you say? Did you say we rank like them? A, yeah, like, like in terms of our our favorite, yeah, our second yeah, favorite, and, our, yeah. and then our least favorite, and then we sort of give the whole. Yeah, but series if you want to go movie rating. by movie, we could do that too. Yeah, I just thought. Um, we yeah. No, yeah, no. I, I like the way that you the the okay. your proposal. Ben, does that let's sound good with you? That. Yep, sounds good. Uh, so as our guest of honor, would you like to go first or last in giving your synopsis and evaluation? Hmm. Yeah, you One go second, second too. I guess I shouldn't have left that off the table. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I'll go I'll go last. Okay. I already have it kind of figured out, and so I'm going to try not to be influenced by your answers, but... Yeah, I'll that's the hard part, um, depending on what people say. Here, I'll go, I'll go, go first. I'm, I, I, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say because I know your opinions are very different than most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, I'm probably going to be more agreeing with you guys. So like I said earlier, I I have a lot of fond memories from childhood of Temple of Doom, and I had a really fun time watching it again this uh, second time. Um, or not second time, but this mm -hmm. most recent time. But I do think that after watching The Last Crusade that that is probably my favorite movie. And I think that it's the strongest one in the whole series. Which is contrary to... Like, like if you look at IMDb, the one that is rated highest is mm. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And in my opinion, that's mm. the weakest movie. Um, so I'll just go ahead and give my rankings. It's Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, and then Raiders of the Lost Ark. And um, I don't really know why Raiders of the Lost Ark is last. Mm. I do know that, like, I think that it maybe hadn't come into its own. Like, they were like they were establishing the character, but I feel like I had more fun watching yeah. the other two. 
And I feel like they sort of had the formula figured out. And um, also, there were times when I kind of felt bored watching Raiders. Um, Like, it had some very iconic scenes and some very great moments, but it it just, it felt weaker out of the three. And that's... That's really the best explanation yeah. I can give. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would rate them Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then as an overall score for the entire trilogy, I'd have to give, like, between a 7 mm. and an 8. So maybe a 7-5 <laughs> is, is yeah. or an 8. Uh, yeah, yeah. 8? Okay. Something like that. But, yeah, I think that's yeah. where I'm going to You say. like to go between numbers, so that uh, shouldn't surprise us. Yeah, I don't like to, I don't like to uh, commit to... Because, I mean, just one, you know, one difference in number. And it's also hard, too, because I'm trying to think of, you know, I love Tenet. Mm, yeah, and I think that yeah. that's, a, that's, that's a near-perfect <laughs> yeah. movie for me. And so it's like, is it within one or two strokes mm. of Tenet? No. Um, but they are really fun, and I don't think that they are, you know, as bad as... I think I gave... Um, you know, this wasn't even a bad movie, but I think the worst score I gave was maybe Blade. Yeah, I think um, you gave like a six or something. But I think I gave yeah. that like a six or yeah, six or so. I'd I'd have to get it. I do think that it these are more fun and they're better movies than Blade. So yeah, I think six or eight. I mean, seven or eight is probably where I'm cool. leaning. Yeah, I um, I I think I find myself thinking similarly to you in this case. That I mean, we pointed out some weaknesses. I guess of all three movies. But I think the third movie makes up, um, I mean, I think it has the best elements um, and the funniest, some of the coolest, you know, interactions and, and jokes and like stunts are, you know, still really cool. And st- the story and the mystery, I guess, you know, keeps you guessing some too. So like, I think that I'd probably go, oh, what's next? That's tough. Um, I think I'm going to have to put Temple of Doom at the bottom. Um, so, <laughs> late, so last crusade Raiders temple of doom, even though I loved uh short round, it just, I guess it's not even that as bad. It's just, it wasn't as good, I guess, as the other two in my mind. Um, and even though Raiders maybe was a little slow, I just, I found myself, um, really just drawn to the, like the iconic parts of it and, um, laughing, laughing a lot. And I really like solid too. Um, so you know, I can't. I'm not only committed to short round as my my sidekick. Uh, yeah. So, mm, so trilogy as a whole, as you mentioned, Blade. I'm totally thinking I overrated Blade, <laughs> um, because I was just so high <laughs> off the fact that it's like it's the Dawn Guard quest line in a movie that I just got really excited. Um, <laughs> but I have not watched any other Blade movies yet, and you know, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, so I think. I would give, I think I would give these movies a solid eight because they can be enjoyed by such a wide variety of people. Um, like we were, we were watching it in, in my apartment, like with um, like my roommates, my brother and his girlfriend and like everyone had loved it. Like everyone was having a good time. They're kind of timeless. Like we're saying like the, the effects might not age super well, but they're still like, we're watching these movies. I don't know. Is it 40 years later now? And we're still like loving them. And oh, also the music is amazing. I, I can't. I'm so sorry, John Williams. We have not mentioned um, you yet, but the sound, the the score for these movies is so good. 
um it just like it's such a good adventure and yeah eight i think is my solid my rating so yeah i feel good about that all right ben now this is your first this is your okay. first time doing this so you know no pressure but just just enjoy it and you just gotta yeah. speak your mind don't be afraid of what we think of, of what you say okay so um and i think it's totally fair to like kind of have changed or like thought about my decision on what i would rate it like over the course of this conversation mm-hmm. because like you know get you know getting the thoughts out helps you understand things better mm-hmm. and um so i would say i would say this my personal preferences like the ones i i would consider my favorite are go in order of last crusade raiders of the lost ark and then temple of doom from like favorite to least mm-hmm. favorite um and i think that's just because like i love the dynamic with henry and indiana just uh like even me just saying that around me at the end of the movie like um that you kind of got gone the whole movie where he only calls him junior and then at the end you have to pay off and he's like he calls him indiana mm, yeah um and it's like oh man it's so powerful <laughs> and um and yeah so i think that's definitely my favorite movie out of the three is the last crusade. But after talking about it, um, I think that it is both strongest in terms of like character development. And, um, I don't know, just sort of that. I think it's a very surprising movie. Like it has a lot more twists, Mm. like the way that you're not really sure who the villain is until like most of the way through the movie. Um, and, and that sort of thing. So, Hmm. I say this. I would say that I I think it's strong in those aspects, but it's also weak for those same reasons. Where like, um, in the first movie in in Raiders, you have Belloc and they introduce him at the beginning of the movie, and he doesn't get stale throughout the movie like at all. Like I think that's what makes him a strong character is the fact that you you're able to see kind of his rivalry mm-hmm. with Indiana throughout the course of the movie. So to me, I think like if I was speaking objectively, like as a critic, um, to me that that makes Raiders stronger than Last Crusade because like when we were when we were even just naming off our favorite like love interests and our favorite villain and that sort of thing, it's like hard to pick what who the villain is in Last Crusade. Because yeah. um, like is Elsa the villain? Because she seems kind of remorseful at sometimes, <laughs> and then Donovan is like he seems like the most he seems like the least remorseful, <laughs> but also you don't see him very much. So, um, but there's also the twist that they're kind of playing off of. So I don't know. Um, all that being said, I would say, yeah, I'm sticking with my, my favorite is last crusade for all the reasons I've said up to this point. Um, but if I had to like pick a movie that I would rate the high, I would say I would rate last crusade lower than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, if that makes sense, like even though it's my favorite, I and I'm recognizing that I think it's a, not as strong of a movie as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, um, but I think there's also, I think a lot of what is influencing that is the idea that I really like Last Crusade. Sorry, Raiders of the Lost Ark for the fact that it's the first in the series, mm-hmm. and it feels like. I think it, the reason it feels so timeless is because it it kind of like came out of the gate uh, super strong 
for the series. Yeah. Um, whereas like Temple of Doom and and Ra- and uh, the Last Crusade, they both um, are kind of built on this foundation of you know who Indiana Jones is, and all and a lot of the jokes are written based on like callbacks or or that sort of yeah. thing. And so that's what makes that's what makes them mm-hmm. fun, but also. I really do like the idea that it's just like a standalone movie. They had no, they had no idea if it was going to work, like if audiences were going to like it. They just they just made the movie they wanted to make, and it was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like for me, just to kind of go on a tangent for a second, mm-hmm. that's why I think like Batman Begins is such a great movie in my opinion because like they didn't know if this whole superhero comic book movie thing would work out, and they didn't get real they didn't really get the payoff until you had Heath Ledger as, you know, the Dark Knight. Um, and that's when, like, people said, wow, these are really good. And they go back and maybe, like, give Batman Begins a second chance or something. Mm. But I yeah. like origin stories, and I like, uh, even though it's Raiders isn't an origin story, it's the first in the series, and I think that is influencing my decision here. Um, and I would also just say, as a, sort of a last remark, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Temple of Doom coming back to it mm. years later. Um it definitely didn't like even though i'm ranking it as the lowest it's like they're all 8 plus like for me yeah. like to me temple of doom is 8 uh, okay so i'm going to i will give separate ratings because I, the way i'm yeah this yeah up. sure but i would say i would say as a trilogy as a whole the trilogy is probably like an 8 and a half uh as a whole um just because maybe like in some ways they could maybe have explored some more ideas or something um, in the way that the first and the third movies are kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as individual movies, uh, Temple of Doom's like a seven or eight for me. Last Crusade is a nine and Raiders is a 10. Oh, wow. Like, I, I, and it's also easy for me to say 10 because I'm, you know, I'm a guest on this podcast <laughs> and I don't have to give any sort of relative scale of what a 10 is for me. Yeah. But I would also say in general, like, uh, if it's a personal rating, which it is for me. Um, I'm not like a professional critic or anything. Um, I'm I'm just basically. Wait, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, Seth. Why did we invite well, him to talk this, with us? Does this if mean he's I'm not, not getting a paid? Uh, oh shoot, we should have uh, talked about that before. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think I think uh, Raiders to me is like it's timeless and it's lighthearted and it's like violent enough to be really fun but not like put people off the way temple of doom puts people mm. off um and yeah and because it's a, the first of the series that's giving it a little bump too so you know what i just thought right when you said that it made me think so temple of doom i've rated last crusade above it but i love it so much and i'm such a horror movie guy that maybe mm. it, I like it so much because of that dark, sinister vibe to it. Because I just love yeah. horror movies so much, and it felt yeah, like a horror yeah. movie. It did. Yeah. That. Yeah. That might explain it. What the the thing inside of you that draws you to that movie, your 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 darkness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't need to. We don't need to analyze the psychology of of my psyche, I guess. But or the yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> why i chose yeah, that that yeah, movie to be yeah. higher than raiders but so yeah so ben any other i guess thoughts so we so we i to review i caleb ranked um let's see if you just use the numbers one movie one movie two movie three like in the trilogy how did you rank them 
Caleb. It was Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, Raiders of so the Lost So you did 3, Ark. 2, 1. I did 3, 1, 2. And so, Ben, you're going 1, 3. No, no, he's going 3, 1, 2, but he said that Raiders is okay. a better movie. Yeah. So, but he's going to rank okay. Last yeah. Crusade yeah. higher. I would score it higher. So the highly qualified. My personal preference. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Wow. So, yeah, we have some different, I guess, ideas. But, I mean, to your point, Ben, these movies are so, like, nostalgic, uh, coming back to them and enjoyable. Like, the opening scene of Raiders of the Lost Ark is, like, as good as it gets for me in terms of, like, the excitement of going to watch a movie um, and the whole, like, open going into the Golden Idol, you know, temple being chased by the boulder. There's just so much, um, like, I don't know, weight and, like, cultural, I don't know, coolness to that sequence that's just been picked up by so many things <laughs> that's just it was this is a really really good idea um ben to go back and watch these movies and give them a, give them a fresh look yeah i mean like i i hadn't you kind of gave me a couple options to pick from um and i think it was really fun to be able to watch a series together mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. maybe that's something you guys can do more of moving forward um yeah maybe i just had the thought uh you just you just need to watch all the saw movies oh my goodness uh and in like a day well, well, oh man i mean that's it'd be intense we could do that okay maybe not maybe don't do all the saw movies yeah maybe do a different series. but <laughs> that's a little bit yes well we actually talked about they are rebooting and or remaking wrong turn and we sort of I've always been pushing Seth to watch those, and we talked about maybe we could watch through them yeah, at yeah. some point and maybe yeah. talk about But, those. Ben, to your point, it, it is fun to take a series um, in a single kind of once-over and really just get as much as we can out of it. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, we might take your advice. So for our, our special 10th episode, we've uh, maybe we've established a precedent that we can continue to do stuff like this. Um, yeah. But Ben, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and this has been a lot of fun. Um, who knows? Maybe Ben will get a sequel someday and revisit the podcast. Um, and if he does, it'll probably be better than <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Stole. All right. Um, any any final words, uh, <laughs> my fellow brethren? No, I'm good. All right. Well, if, <laughs> if, if there's... <laughs> If there's nothing else, We're done. <laughs> um, I'll give us a, a walkout song. Copyright, man. Copyright. 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 I'm just going to keep talking over you. I'm just going to keep talking over you. Yep. Talking over you. Talking over you. Yep. 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 Thank you. Thank you for that. Although it was so bad that I don't think anybody would pick it up. That was what I was going for. Well, thank you so much for listening, uh, if you're listening to this, and we will catch you next time. Cool. This is me stopping my recording.